amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey, Cleveland, this is Tristan Thompson of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and you're listening to Sports Fix. Sports Fix listeners, do you tweet? So do we. So tweet with us 24-7 at the Sports Fix CLE. Hey guys, J-Rock here from the Sports Fix, and we always talk about using our platform to try to help the world and the society we live in, and everywhere I go and everywhere we go, bullying is one of the biggest problems in today's society. There's nothing worse than any person, big or small, strong or weak, adult or child, feeling picked on, pushed around, vulnerable, and victimized at the hands of a bully. Change comes one person at a time, and my good friends at No Such Thing as a Bully are working on skills and techniques and ways that we can all change and make things better for everyone. Find out more at nosuchthingasabully.com. Portions of the Sports Fix brought to you by Harry Buffalo. Harry Buffalo, join the herd. Live in Ohio, it's time to get your fix. The Sports Fix. Away we go, off and running here midweek. Hump day edition of the Sports Fix coming at you live and loud, baby, in living color. J-Rock, Jerry Myers here, clicking the dials, kicking this thing off, and we've got a uh, we've got a lot to get into today. Of course, we're sitting, man, big day for the Cavaliers here. Game two down at Quicken Loans Arena. Cavaliers looking to tie this series with the Chicago Bulls. We're gonna talk all about that here. Early on in the show, the NBA playoffs in general last night. How about the Grizz? Told you guys, Golden State's got themselves a battle on their hands. Mike Conley came up like a man last night. And we'll talk about all of that as the uh, the Hawks also got things straightened out there. Did the same thing the Cavaliers are looking to do here. Man, second round of the playoffs is already getting rolling here. We're going to talk that, talk some Indians here. Tough night for the Tribe last night. I'm going to share a funny, funny text message I got from Mike Brandenberry in the middle of that Indians game yesterday. Dan Wismar from the Cleveland Fan and the Everybody Hates Cleveland website. They're going to join. He's going to join us here, I should say. We'll talk Cavs and Bulls. Look ahead. See what he thought about game one. We'll talk tribe and all of that. Tons of things to get into, guys. We'll take your phone calls and more and do the sports fix thing here. So let's, uh, what do you say? Should we get rocking and rolling? Let's do that. 
Welcome in to the Sports Fix, guys. I am your host, as I said, the big daddy on the microphone, J-Rock. Jerry Myers, call me any of the above, or hey, you can make up something else if you want. Just call me glad, as I always say, to be here and have you guys here each and every weekday at noon, live across the Sports Fix Radio Network. Maybe you're listening to us live on TuneIn and TuneIn's radio app worldwide on Spreaker and Mixler, their respective digital and mobile applications. Many of you listening to us live right on our home base, thesportsfix.net. As I always say, make sure you bookmark it and join us there if you haven't already. And as always, thousands of you guys around the world listening on digital delay 24-7. Sites like iHeartRadio, the world's largest internet radio platform on iTunes, downloading us there on Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, all of the CarPlay, all the different places uh, that are too numerous for me to remember or mention. Whatever it is, if you subscribe, you feed it, you you pot it, whatever it is, uh, thank you guys for how you do it and for doing it and being here and doing the sports fix thing. As I said, do the thing. Hey, phones will be open until we get Dan Wismar in. I'm going to get Dan in hopefully a little bit earlier in on the show here than usual, a little bit later here, but you guys can join in on the conversation now. 216-539-7535 is the number to call. Facebook and Twitter always going. Facebook.com slash the sports fix. Tweet with us at the sports fix CLE. Email us the sports fix at AOL.com. Facebook.com slash the sports fix. Tweet with us at the Sports Fix CLE. You guys email us 24 7 the Sports Fix at AOL.com. And as I said, phones open 216 539 7535. What's your thoughts? Cavaliers here. Tristan Thompson going to start uh, the show as I thought it was fitting to open with the, the liner from Tristan there. Tristan Thompson going to be moved into the Cavaliers starting lineup. David Blatt made that official at the shoot-around here this morning for the Cavs. And I'll tell you, that's the right move. We knew, I really thought, Delhi was going to slide in there and they'd go a different direction. But you knew Mike Miller had to come out of the starting rotation. That was an experiment that proved not to bear fruit. And that's fine. That shows the adjustments that need to be made. There's a huge, number one, when Tristan starts, he's averaging, what, nearly 13-10 and 10 as a starter for the Cavs. I'm putting it down. Just so you guys can hear this, 12.05 p.m. today, he's getting 15 and 12 tonight. Tristan Thompson's going to come up big for the Cavaliers. But in general, the Thompson-Mozgov two-man combination worked really well when they played together the other day. Uh, Thompson and Delhi and Shumpert, and there were some different defensive combinations that worked really well that I expect to see the Cavaliers also lean heavily on tonight down at the queue. And I'm, I'm, I said it the other day, I believe the Cavaliers will set the tone from the beginning of this game. I think you're going to see a much less tentative than you saw the other day approach. You're going to see a much more aggressive beginning. Not saying that the Cavaliers will not uh, go out there and, and get out of their game plan, but I think you'll see that look. LeBron's going to have that look. They will. They're going to come out and know what they've got to do. I mean, look, you don't need me to throw a lot of big statistics at you, but in a best of seven NBA playoff series, 268 times a team has fallen to an 0-2 deficit to start the series. 
Only 16 of those teams have come back to win the series. That's just 6% of the teams that fall down 0-2 in a best of seven in the NBA playoffs come back to win the series. That's that's reality. That's the facts of it. And that's not saying that if the Cavaliers lose tonight that this series is over. But that is a hole that it doesn't take a genius to figure out you don't want to be in. And the Cavs know that. And that's why I expect to see that. I, I mean, some adjustments as well. I mean, seriously, there's many things that the Cavaliers did to beat themselves. And I say that remembering what I said the other day. I will not take anything away from the game that the Chicago Bulls played. But I'll go back to what we talked about on Monday. And I'm very curious when Dan joins me to hear, because I haven't talked to him since before the game on Monday. But to me, all the Chicago Bulls can hope to do at their best is game one that's that was pretty much peak bulls that was how it works when everything's going well for them so for the bulls i think they're the best they can hope for is game one in every game it can only be a little less from there i don't believe there's a higher level for them to play than what they played in game one that was a pretty standard this is how the bulls are going to win games and i believe you cannot say the same thing for the Cavaliers, you know, and, and that's where I think the biggest hope should come in is that there's many things. The Cavaliers clean up that pick and roll defense. We talked about Gasol, eight of nine when you left him wide open. I mean, like Derek Rose said, that's giving him a layup right there. I mean, it lay up from eight to 10, 12 feet away. He's going to nail it every time. The minute they switched up the defensive schemes and guys were out there on him, then there was a difference. And, you know, LeBron, a lot of people making making focus on some of his words here as it seemed that he put some of the onus on David Blatt. And, of course, everybody instantly turns that into a, you got to prove yourself to LeBron. Don't forget this summer. I've already heard that. This is a big test. LeBron's testing David Blatt now to see if he made the right move or if the Cavaliers, you know, some you listen to some people, and, and tonight will determine whether David Blatt comes back next season to coach the Cavaliers. I say it's just game two. I agree with you, LG, in the chat room. It's not must win because you can win this series, but you really create the incredibly hard path to go there because you've now got to win multiple games out on the road. I mean, you'd like to, of course, take this here, it's big, and make it where you only have to win one on the road, uh, which is, again, something that, you're to me, you're going to have to do no matter what anyway. The whole home court thing is great, but I've always said any team that's good enough to win a championship is going to have to win every round. They're going to have to win on the road at some point there, so it doesn't matter if it's in the first two games or the second two games or if it's in game six you're gonna have to take one of those games on the road in almost any series to win the thing so uh that's what it's gonna be but tonight i really do think we're gonna see a different look at some of the other series i mean again look at memphis told you guys the grizzlies are gonna give fits to the golden state warriors they showed it mike conley is such a difference maker uh they're you know the the grizz are four and oh in the playoffs when he plays Obviously, he's got the still dealing with the. They didn't even know if he was going to play. I was watching both games last night, and they actually went to the uh, locker room right before about 20 minutes before the game. And Conley had just got done warming up. He had just really decided that he was going to play in the game, and the, the mask was going to go on and all of that stuff. But I mean, you could see he had some tentativeness about it. He didn't know. I mean, he just days before he's vomiting he's getting dizziness and the, the room spinning he can't him blinding headaches trust me i know about the whole uh i know about facial breaks and about the whole uh the concussions and all of those things and there, there was no uh 
no guarantee that he'd be able to, who when he'd be able to go out there. And he gutted it up. And there's some, hey, there's some controversy there too. And I can understand because, you know, the the head injuries have become such a, not me, by the way. I'm a tough it out kind of guy. I rub some dirt on it. But that's become such a touchy issue that I've heard some people even say, hey, you know, the fact that it was left up to him. But it was left up to him, you know. As long as medically it's cleared, I say go for it. I, I'm all about it. I'll never complain about a guy toughing it out. And you could see they needed him. I mean, really, the difference in that Memphis team from game one to game two was huge, man. And that's what that's what I'm saying about the Cavs and the Bulls, about the playoffs in general. In these seven-game series, those in-betweens, you're going to see – Ups and downs, swing. That's what these series do because these are great players on great teams with great coaching staffs that have the the, the day in between to watch the film and to adapt. You're not adapting to a different team every night. You're you know what I mean. You're you're adapting to the same team, and then you get your victory, and then they come out and they adjust to your adjustments, and so on and so forth. It's the art of war, the strategery that comes with the NBA playoffs, and you saw it there. Same thing with the Hawks. They knew they couldn't afford to lose both games at home. They went out there and played with a different sense of urgency. They got back to playing the basketball that won them all them games this season and all the accolades that came with it, and you know, again, it all applies back to the Cavaliers here. Same thing there uh that's the way these series are going to go and i'm going to be the first one to tell you i told somebody this last night i see charles said bold prediction you want another bold prediction i think the cavaliers lose game three i think they win tonight and i think they lose game three i believe the first four games of this series are going to go tit for tat the cavaliers could very well win game three i believe they're losing one of the two games in chicago but it could very well be game three just as easily as it was game one Back and forth, back and forth. That's the way I expect the first four games to go. And then I believe this series will begin to really grind down to that final best of three coming down the stretch. And that's where getting J.R. Smith back in will make a difference for the Cavaliers as well, too. And so there you go. But that's I'm just going to say it now before game two. I believe Cavaliers tied things up tonight. But I have no doubt that Chicago adjusts to the adjustments we make and comes right back. And that's what a great series is. And that's what great teams are. I mean, and you can say what you want, but that Chicago team is a a veteran team that has been in the trenches before. So they're going to be there for everything the Cavs do. It's going to take a great effort. They're going to do it tonight. Like I said, I expect from the get-go a different Cavaliers team. And I absolutely look for the Cavaliers to tie this thing up tonight. I see some of you guys in the chat room agreeing with me there. Adam says Cavs win by six. I also agree about LeBron, and I think he'll he'll notice that too, you know, with the offense that's missing from the Cavaliers team. I mean, it's going to have to come. But, I mean, really, shooting yourself in the foot is the biggest thing offensively that the Cavs need to do. And I think LeBron, you know, it's, again, it comes with the crown that you wear is the excess criticism. Nobody can say word sideways about the defensive performance that that man put on in game one. That was a playoff. That was defense. That was that I told you guys, I love it. They, hey, he, we need to stop him. Move me on him, coach. I got it. You know, I'll guard everybody one at a time. Offensively, I just thought he settled 
to me. It wasn't the passing. It was, That didn't bother me. I was actually, that just showed his maturity that late in that game, Monday, he was still dishing the ball off, uh, trying to stay within the flow of the offense. My only problem with LeBron's offense, the turnovers, obviously, but it's more the choice of shots. It was settling for the jump shots. That He's got to get to the free throw line more. He's got to attack. That The biggest stat besides Gasol's shooting when he was covered and not covered, the biggest glaring stat to me from game one was that Jimmy Butler, 44 minutes, not a single personal foul. I mean, I get it. He's a good defender, but not a single foul in almost an entire game played? No way. You've got to draw more there. Just LeBron's got to attack more, and he doesn't need me, you, or anybody else sitting here saying this because I have no doubt that that's when I say he's going to have that look. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I fully expect to... uh, see him go out there and attack see the Cavaliers do that Tristan going into the starting lineup going back around to that it's it really you guys see it it changes the Cavaliers in many ways I love Tristan Tristan very well could could easily be starting still on this team and as I said look at his stats when he's a starter you know 13 and 10 on average as a starter and that's what the Cavs are going to need but uh them battles cannot wait to see him too I mean we talked about it a little bit here earlier in the week those rebounding battles down low getting nasty man and uh, Tristan Thompson and Mozgov the two of them together were a very effective combo looking back at what was working and what wasn't working the other day and hey Charles there great point the Cavs we'll go back to what we said in round one Charles in the chat room says you can try and draw fouls if they're not calling it there's nothing you can do and you're absolutely right that's a great point it goes back to the Boston series I I stick with what I said it it'll it won't be till next year if the Cavaliers win or at least, you know, earn earn their stripes, pay their dues, whatever it is, you whatever term you want to use, the, they're going to have to earn something in the eyes of these officials. I just don't think in these playoffs they're going to get any calls. We saw it in the Boston series, saw it in game one here against Chicago. I'm not whining. We swept Boston. So it's not like sour grapes or anything, but I think it's become clear that the Cavs aren't going to get a ton of calls. They're not they're not seen in that light, and it shouldn't be that way, but you know how it is. You earn the calls. San Antonio earns their calls, you know, and the same thing. As the Cavaliers continue to have success, whether it's, as I said, winning a championship or whatnot, then they'll start to get the advantage of that, and you'll see it. But I think that you're definitely seeing first, uh, first playoff run through here. They're not that team, if Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Anything, they're looked at the other way, you know? And, you know, I, you know what? 
psychologically, I do believe some of that exists. And you can say fair, unfair, any of those words you want. But psychologically, I do believe part of that exists in general in seeing... I don't know. I guess and it's, I guess it's hard to look at it this way from where we're at because y'all didn't sit through the last four years. Wasn't no quick fix here in Cleveland as far as we're concerned. But I think some people look at the Cavs that I don't think. I know some people look at the Cavs that way because of the way everything came together this summer. And it looks like have LeBron will travel. You know what I mean? LeBron comes home. Everything else falls into place. It's why David Griffin got no respect whatsoever when it came to being the executive of the year when I I that one baffles me more than anything else more than the MVP more than because I I was just arguing with somebody last not arguing but my buddy was hot that LeBron didn't get the MVP I'm like hey man he he missed one-sixth of the season I get your point but you know it'd be unprecedented for a guy to miss double-digit games and still be the MVP and I know that I know by definition of MVP and how important a guy is to a team then clearly he's there you know but I would have made the Harden argument before Curry if you were going to go against that but with the executive how do you make the Golden State argument over the Cavs because I get it Golden State's a great team but what did they do what from last year to this year I mean maybe maybe I'm wrong though I guess you shouldn't it's not like a one-year year-to-year award when you when you do the executive of the year but I guess I kind of wonder what did Golden State do from last year to this year, except get a year better, uh, and that's a great team that they've put together. So I guess overall you can give respect to that uh, core, that's how it was put together, and that's a, I guess a, an achievement for Executive of the Year. But look at the the moves that, and again, this is where the LeBron thing, and this is going back full circle to what I was saying about discrediting a bit of the Cavs this season and having to earn things and people thinking they haven't paid their dues because it does it does become real simple to chalk it up as LeBron came home, everybody else followed him there, Black gets no credit, Griffin gets no credit, nobody gets any credit except LeBron. And I don't, obviously, okay, come on. I mean, don't stick your head in the sand. Of course, the key to starting the whole thing is LeBron. But in all honesty, the key to starting LeBron coming back is Kyrie signing the extension. Because if that doesn't happen, then then definitely LeBron thinks differently about things. And the things that were done in the six months that David Griffin was the interim and then the official general manager that set the stage for setting up the ability to do what the Cavs did, maneuvering the salary cap to make that happen. And then to me, the most important was the switch in midseason that that's a trick that's hard to pull off for anybody. That was a midstream switch of a big, a quarter of your roster, you know? That was a big switch to that there. And so that's where I thought, man, that argument. But again, you can brush off David Griffin. You can brush off David Blatt. You can brush off any of that by saying, have LeBron will travel, as I say. So I think the officials subconsciously and guys around the NBA look at the Cavs the same way. Quick fix, LeBron came and, and and the Cavs jumped right back into it. I say, you haven't been here for the last four years, and it was no quick fix whatsoever if you suffered through some of these seasons that we went through. But anyways, they're going to have to pay their dues. I, that's what I keep going back to. They're going to have to earn those stripes, and then, then they'll start getting the calls. But then again, maybe not, because as we say all the time in his whole career, LeBron James has never really gotten the that superstar call. Some people will disagree with that, but look at the big picture. 
And even when he was in Miami, I always made that argument. I said, boy, he gets beat up more than just about any superstar player I've ever seen because I love Michael Jordan. To me, Michael Jordan is the greatest player in the history of professional basketball. And right up there in any sport, period, you couldn't breathe in the direction of Michael Jordan without getting a foul called on you by the end. And that was the respect, the earning, all of that stuff. But it's like, no matter how long LeBron plays, he never gets that. Like, I don't know if it's the size, even though it's not like Michael Jordan was a small guy, but because LeBron's such a big-bodied guy. I think he just takes more of a beating, and guys go, well, he can take that because he's a bigger guy. And uh, I don't know. But I've just – I've always said that. Even when he was public enemy number one, I said, man – that guy, I mean, the, my thing is is that when he does go down, he stays down for 15 minutes and catches his breath and pulls his headband back on, which, well, he doesn't do anymore. But you know what I mean, though. The drama of the moment would drive me nuts. But, boy, he does take a beating and, and has really never in his entire career gotten the benefit of that quote-unquote superstar call that so many people do. Hey, speaking of Michael Jordan, I don't know if you guys saw it. For those of you locally here in Cleveland, there was a – a hell of a comparison the uh, in over the weekend as they were getting ready for this series. Matter of fact, I think I have it over here. I'm trying to see if it's in my stack of uh, papers that I left here. But it was a yeah, a hell of a comparison. And I'm a guy to go with this because I'm the Michael Jordan guy. And it was comparing through 12 NBA seasons, Michael Jordan and LeBron James. And uh, I'll tell you what, man, uh, so many. Similarities in certain categories, but you can then see the the complete different games that they played in others. But, uh, you know, when you look at the, you know, bulk of the sheer minutes played. Now, this is something, by the way, you guys, that does get me with the modern NBA. For all the talk of the too many minutes played and the miles and, and taking care of the body, um, practically even there's a few thousand minutes difference over the course of 12 years but not an incredible difference uh, you know about an eight percent difference more in the minutes but it's it's enough that over the course of 12 seasons it's the it's the matter of you know a minute or two a game difference and I know that adds up but I laugh at that in general at the modern players because to me that's just the the sissification of the modern game for for how much how far they've come that's the part that gets me but anyways uh, I did notice that but you you look at it you know the amount of games played and hey in that course of time and this is partly is because of more playoff games because they expanded. Remember when Michael Jordan played, there were the five round, five game first round playoff series, and now with uh, in this era, there's the best of seven first round. So that's added some additional games there. But LeBron's played nearly sixty more games through twelve seasons than Michael Jordan did, even though Michael Jordan three years older at the same time because he, of course, play uh, played those years at North Carolina, but. You look at the points and Michael Jordan, yeah, it's practically identical. It's within 2,000 points of each other uh, scoring-wise. Uh, Michael Jordan, huge advantage in the offensive rebound category. He's, a, I mean, literally a third more offensive rebounds. That's one of the biggest, but but that is really counted out with LeBron double or you know talking about four figure difference in defensive rebounds over the course of his career so a big difference there another huge difference is of course the assists it's, there's nearly 1500 more assists in LeBron's career than Michael Jordan um 
that's definitely, I mean, that speaks to the difference. That's the huge, the biggest difference in the game right there would, would be there when you look at that because uh, that, I mean, that's a huge, huge statistical difference. Defensively, uh, Michael Jordan proves his medal there as he's, again, a third more steals over the course of his career at that point in time than LeBron. Uh, much more strong in that area, however, nearly identical in blocks. But I'll tell you what's uh, amazing here with LeBron having more size and a bigger body and being known for those rundown blocks is that at the same point in his career, Michael Jordan had nearly 70 more blocks at that point, which is kind of amazing because Michael Jordan's not known at least off the top of the head as a big shot blocker, but uh, there has, you know, defensively, I think that defensively is one of the biggest differences. And of course, remember Michael Jordan went uh, crazy on the defensive end when he felt that he wanted to prove a point and show that you could be the MVP and the defensive player of the year, something that people thought was impossible because you couldn't focus that much on defense and the offensive part at the same time to be MVP. And he, of course, proved that wrong. They played almost the same amount of playoff games, had identical all-star appearances, both four MVP awards in their first 12 seasons. And then, of course, the other biggest difference, five NBA championships at that point with one still to go for Michael Jordan, LeBron with two, five appearances. However, only the two uh, championships and going. I mean... Very interesting, though, when you look at the numbers and see the differences. I've always said Michael Jordan's a terrible comparison for LeBron James. Anyway, Magic Johnson, so much more the type of uh, player in the similar mold that LeBron James is. And uh, But uh, anyways, Michael Jordan's always, of course, the one that people go to with the, the 23. I, I stick to what I say, man. At the end of the day, Michael Jordan, to me, is the greatest not only NBA player of all time, but I'll put him up there with anybody in their sport. And I think the pedigree that separates him is the championship. I just can't think of many people that went perfect for perfect, you know, in their championship run. Six for six with six finals MVPs. To me, I mean, when you get to the when you get to the true delineation, that just pushes it over the top. Anyways, uh, that's not today's Chicago Bulls because the Cavs are going to slap them around tonight. That's Michael Jordan. Give me some, give me a second for uh, for that one. But uh, switch it back to Noah and those guys today. No such respect. Cavaliers tonight going to go out there and make a point. I just thought that was a, a very interesting comparison there because so many people make that. But when you put the numbers side by side, you can really see where they're close, where the comparisons are. But that minutes thing really gets me because. Um, you know, although I've seen that with some different players, Larry Bird, let's see, Larry Bird's a little bit of a different example because he missed a lot of games with injuries towards the tail end, but he also uh, was way under. I mean, I get it. LeBron's played a lot of miles, but I just, I get it. I get a kick out of that in general because the athletes are bigger, stronger, faster. You know, they're, they're in general better. They're trained better. They eat better. They're fueled with better supplements. They're, they're top of the line space age you know, modern day gladiators. And, uh, and yet it still seems like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't like to say they were tougher guys. Cause I hate that. You sound like the old school. Everybody was better back in the day. The athletes are better now, but they break down more. I mean, even though they're better, I don't know what it is. And I just think it's society. You know, it's easy to use a term like soft or anything. I'm not saying that, but it's just society has changed in that direction and it's caused an overall shift 
in the way our culture looks at that kind of stuff, man. But and I always laugh. I get a, I get a trip out of that. All right, you guys. Anyways, we need to take a break here. Let's go ahead and take a break. We're running through it. Get the news in. We'll get Dan Wismar in on the conversation, and we'll pick up talking some Cavaliers, Indians as well. Last night, you know what? Before I get to the break, I'm gonna share a funny text message that I got yesterday from Mike Brandenberry. Of course, Mike, our good friend from Did the Tribe Win Last Night. It was during the Indians game yesterday. And, of course, the sky was falling yesterday with the Cavs losing to the Bulls and all of that. And Mike sent me a text message that just goes, ain't this a trip, man? We live in a world where people believe that bro Ohio Nick Swisher can save the Cleveland Indians, but the greatest basketball player of all time can't save the Cavaliers. And, of course, we have a different opinion on that. But regardless, uh, the point being made is, can you believe this? I'm listening to people say, bro Ohio's gonna save the Indians, but LeBron James can't help the Cavs be the Bulls. I just sent him a text back and said, "Wow, you, you nailed it." That is the you think about that statement for a second. We lived in a day where people were calling sports talk radio stations just like this and saying silly things like, "Hey, man, the Cavs are done." LeBron can't help the Cavs. Kyrie can't help the Cavs. They've only got two of the best players in the game. But how about Nick Swisher going to help the Indians get out of their slump here? And I just, I broke up laughing when I got that text message. And you know that means I'm going to have something go wrong with the show now because I took a shot at Nick Swisher. But he didn't make me look good yesterday. I don't know what kind of attitude he brought in the locker room. But he was 0 for 4 and struck out to end the game. So welcome back, bro Ohio. Anyways, what a text message. Well, let's talk about that. Let's take a break. Let's get the- <laughs> let's get the news out of the way and let's track down Dan Wismar from the Cleveland fan and everybody hates Cleveland.com and let's get this bad boy rolling. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here on the Sports Fix. The Sports Fix, the show that asks the question. We'll be right back. Guys, want to take just a second as we head into this break and remind you about the official business printing source of the Sports Fix, our friends at Signs and Ship. Signs and Ship, I'm telling you, Chris and Pam, they've taken care of me since day one, and they can do the same for you. Whether you're a small business that's already been established and you're looking to grow to that next level and expand your business, or perhaps you've got an idea that you just know is going to be a great business and you need to figure out how to brand it and how to promote it and put it out there, Signs and Ship is the place for you. If you need a logo, they can create one for you. They have a fantastic graphic designer. Business cards, signs, banners, yard signs, mobile advertising, anything you can think of that you need to promote your business, they've got it at Signs and Ship. The best thing about them, too, is each of their locations, whether it's the 
the home base here in Elyria, Ohio, that I work with, or their spots in Virginia, Florida, and Pennsylvania. It's all local sourced. Very important to me because we all understand that small business is the lifeblood of the community. So check them out, signsandship.com, or call Chris and Pam today, 440-323-6060, the home office in Elyria, Ohio. Signs and Ship, quality printing at affordable prices. Hey, this is Scott Fujita, and you're listening to the Sports Fix. No football? No problem at Harry Buffalo North Olmstead. From their awesome wing Mondays to every single Cavaliers and Buckeye Hoops games in full HD, the excitement never stops. Every day of the week brings a different set of food and amazing drink specials. Fight fans, Harry Buffalo North Olmstead is the home for every UFC pay-per-view live on the big screens. And let's not forget their mouth-watering trademark, the Bison Burger. Nobody does bison like Harry Buffalo. The perfect combination of healthy and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get to Harry Buffalo, just outside Great Northern Mall today. Harry Buffalo, Buffalo. join the herd. herd. Man, do I love card night. You ready, boys? You got a king? Go fish that. Oh, come on. (laughs) This is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. The smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Fantasy sports lovers, you put so much time, hard work, and effort into playing week to week that it quickly stops being a fantasy and starts getting real. Real time spent making real decisions, creating real victory. I'm the greatest man in the world! And when the smoke clears, you want to show off those victories with a real prize. I mean, a really real prize. Nobody Nobody does does that that like like Fantasy Fantasy Jocks. Jocks. The crew over at Fantasy Jocks have beautiful, high-quality, and heavy-duty championship belts, rings, trophies, and so much more for all your fantasy sports needs. The trophy's 12 feet high, and it is glorious! Football, baseball, hoops, you name it, they have it. Plus, they have awesome draft kits and party supplies to make all your preseason activities the envy of everyone. If your league needs a ring, belt, or trophy, or you want to upgrade what you already have, there's literally only one place to go. If you're going to be a fantasy jock, do it right. It's mine. The most magnificent belt ever created. And it's mine. With America's fantasy sports superstore, fantasyjocks.com. Portions of the Sports Fix brought to you by Signs and Ship, the official printing source of the Sports Fix. Locations in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and Florida. Find out more at signsandship.com. 
Good morning, I'm Bob Picozzi. They haven't lost consecutive home games since December 20th. Two nights after losing at home in Game 1 in the NBA Western Semifinals, the Rockets will host the Clippers tonight in Game 2, 8.30 Eastern Time on ESPN Radio. The status of Los Angeles guard Chris Paul, who missed Game 1 with a strained hamstring, will be a game-time decision. After missing three games with facial fractures, Memphis guard Mike Conley returned last night, and he scored 22 points in a 97-90 road win over Golden State to even that Western semifinal at 1-1. There wasn't any pain before. Uh, you know, I got hit a few times in the game, and in those times, obviously, I, I was expecting it to be sore uh, and throb a little bit, but it only lasted for a few minutes, and then uh, I kept playing. Game three will be Saturday at Memphis, 8 o'clock Eastern time, Saturday on ABC, 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Michael Backlund's goal on a delayed penalty four minutes into overtime gave Calgary a 4-3 home win over Anaheim. The Ducks lead the Stanley Cup Western semifinal 2-1. Nationals pitcher Steven Strasburg will be reevaluated today after leaving last night's game after only three innings with an alignment issue in his back. Subway, start your day the flavorful way by adding new guacamole to your favorite breakfast sandwich. Perfectly made with a hint of jalapeno, our guacamole turns up the flavor to your breakfast. Try it today on a hot and toasty egg white and cheese. Subway, eat fresh. To the sports fix. They're playing basketball. We love that basketball. They're playing basketball. We love that basketball. They're playing basketball. Welcome back to the sports fix. Man, we did it. We did. We should never said nothing about Brohio, man. Unbelievable, like clockwork. My entire computer is locked up as we come back from the break. See you guys. This is not an urban legend, man. You know what? <sighs> the sooner that man's contract expires, the better all of our life will be. No offense. See, I gotta stop. I'm digging the hole even worse. Welcome back into the sports fix. <sighs> J Rock, back with you here and. Dan Wismar is going to be joining us in a little bit here, so sit tight and uh, we'll get him in. Yeah, I know, my fault. I shouldn't have said anything. It's my fault. He went 0 for 4 and struck out to end the game. Yes, it's my fault that he took a year and a half off and came back and struck out again. And 0 for 4, that's my fault. I'm not allowed to talk about it. We've just got to ignore it. So, like, the Indians are just playing eight eight men from here on out, man. Eight men out. That's the name of the movie here, man, for the Indians. I can't even, I don't know what to do. Unbelievable, you got It just popped back. I stalled enough time here that it, it just popped out of uh, whatever it was stuck in. But there you go. Welcome back to the Sports Fix. As I said, J-Rock here. Dan Wismar is going to join us here momentarily in on the conversation. You guys can keep it going with us on Facebook, on Twitter, facebook.com slash the Sports Fix. Tweet with us at the Sports Fix, Z-L-E. Email us, the Sports Fix. At AOL.com, Facebook.com slash The Sports Fix. Tweet with us at The Sports Fix CLE. Email us, The Sports Fix at AOL.com. I see you in the chat room, LG. I know I'm not trying to have anything else go wrong here, my friend, man. But, uh, anyways, you know what? There was a couple of things I wanted to get into as we were coming back before we dove back in on the show, especially as we were waiting here for. 
Dan to uh, Dan to join us. Uh, a couple. Of, by the way, you know what? This is something I wanted to mention at the start of the show. I'm going to segue off for a minute before we get back into the Cavs. We'll talk some tribe here momentarily. Uh, but uh, the player who shall not be named made his return yesterday. But I want to talk a little bit. You guys, right before we went off the air, last segment yesterday, we're talking about Mayweather and Pacquiao. And I, what did I say? I'm telling you, sometimes you just have those moments where you go, doggone it, man. I saw that one coming. It wasn't nothing but two hours after we got off the air that the story started to break about the first class action lawsuits coming out. But if you go back and listen to the final segment of yesterday's show, I flat out predicted, I said, man, there will be groups of fans and gamblers, people that went and, and legally gambled at, at gambling establishments. Uh, I'm not talking about guys that, you know, called their local bookie, but uh, there's plenty of places where people could claim fraud now that it's been medically proven that Manny Pacquiao was damaged goods heading into the highest priced boxing match of all time. I mean, to me, it was as clear as day where people could claim that. And I would have a hard time disputing that. And I'll tell you what, I think this is going to turn into a big debacle because that is, that's damaged goods. That's, that's, you know, especially when there's a legal obligation to declare and disclose these things to your opponent, to the people that are purchasing six figure tickets, man. I mean, we saw how much that stuff was going for hundred dollar pay-per-views and stuff. I mean, there was a legal, moral, ethical uh, interest and in, in need to disclose that type of thing. And the first lawsuits came out right after we went off the air yesterday in Nevada quickly before the end of the day, there were, I believe five other class action lawsuits were filed in California, Texas, uh, Illinois, uh, another one in Nevada, uh, and it's going to continue. And I really do believe that the people who legally gambled on that event can also make claims. And I mean, I would think casinos that lost money or whatever could could then get involved because this is, to me, the equivalent of going into the biggest, you know, let's say the Super Bowl. Like I said, say it's, you know, you got the Patriots and the Seahawks and Tom Brady tears his rotator cuff in practice. Bill Belichick decides not to tell anybody, you know, because he doesn't want to give that advantage away. You know, how many millions of dollars are bet on that game legally? People don't know how many, you know, and in general, people's, you know, jobs, all these things that are affected by winning and losing the game. There's so many ins and outs. But with this, hell, the Super Bowl's free to watch, at least with this. I mean, you paid a hundred dollars. Bars paid thousands of dollars to broadcast it and charged people twenty five and fifty dollar cover charges and all that stuff. And it's not just a ho hum thing to say that some people that were on the fence of buying that fight that did buy into the hype because this was a fight that they wanted to see because it was the best against the best theoretically, even though it wasn't, it was the best against a damaged version of the best. And to me, that would have swayed my purchasing decision if I was on the fence. I would go, hey, man, this is a one-armed man. There's no way. This is just a joke right here. There's no way. And I was talking to, a matter of fact, a buddy of mine last night, big Mayweather guy, you know, was all big. Hey, I told you, you know. And I said, think about this. Look at them middle rounds, four, five, six, when Pacquiao was starting to hit some shots and get things going. It was a one-armed guy, legitimately. 
And, of course, you know, now Mayweather people say, oh, he's just making excuses. I felt the same way when I heard that the next day after the fight. But when the doctor come out and schedule, you don't schedule full-blown rotator cuff surgery to give yourself an excuse for losing a fight where you just made more money than you'll ever need in your lifetime. By the way, oh, man, the the dollar amounts continuing to come in with that. But, uh, but think about that, man. I mean, you had to know that those were going to happen, and sure enough, there they come. I mean, there you go. See, Charles said uh, his. it must be nice. Your parents had the Yacht Club going. But anyways, the cable company told him that the Yacht Club, $3,500. I know some of the Harry Buffaloes in some different places were quoted, you know, in the 4,000-plus range, and that's why these places, and a lot of times what they were doing was taking the maximum capacity. The cable company would take the maximum capacity number of seats that you have in your bar, and then they would charge you X amount per customer. And that's how they figured out how much you had to pay for the fights. And it's just, there was so much money in, and all the talk ahead of time about it ballooning into the biggest fight of all time. When you have this now attached to it, this is a debacle. This is a debacle because some people are for all the people that made money. Some people are coming off some money. Maybe Mayweather will somehow find a way to keep his hands on all of his money. But you've got to think that this is going to come back to severely hurt some people. Number one, financially, the fraud aspect of it. Number two, the fight wasn't as good as it could have been and perhaps should have been because you had a one-armed guy out there fighting. And all they did was, was I'm telling you, that thing was as close to looking like a predetermined exhibition as you'll ever see, man. They, I mean, but I had somebody argue with me yesterday that, well, Mayweather's game is counterpunching. And since Pacquiao couldn't punch him, he couldn't counterpunch him. I said, get out of here. I will make this argument about Mayweather all day long. As long as Mayweather is the champion, he cannot be beaten because Floyd Mayweather does not lose fights. He does not win fights either. He simply does not lose fights and he has the champion's advantage. And as long as a guy that's that skilled at running, not running, I don't mean it like a coward, when you're that fast and when you're that skilled at not getting hit, then you don't win fights and you don't have to win fights. You just don't lose. And so the minute he became champion, it became easy for him to remain undefeated because he's very skilled at, at that part of the sport. He's not a knockout guy. He doesn't go to win the, but he doesn't go to win these fights, man. Uh, you know, and then I go back to Pacquiao thinking that he won this fight too. Maybe he just didn't care. They both got paid so well off of this thing that part of you just goes, these guys agreed to go out there and have a friendly exhibition and call it a day. But, but now you've got the aspect of an injury which allows you to then come back and have a second fight and all of that and speaking of the money the final estimates here and of course there's a lot of this stuff that'll change but the final estimates here 178 million dollar payday for Floyd Mayweather it will become the it's bro the highest year for any athlete prior to this was Tiger Woods in 2008. He made $115 million, and with inflation, it became a hundred and twenty. It would be $125 million in today's money. Floyd Mayweather's cashing in $178 million as it stands t- today off the estimates of the pay-per-view and, and the buys on that. $178 million. He made more money in that one night than the highest-paid athlete ever made for an entire year in the history of 
all history. How amazing is that? And here, you know, now you're going to have all this controversy and all this fraud around it. Dan Wismar is going to get in with us. I do have one call here on hold. I'm going to run to it real quick. I've got just a couple of minutes. Caller, you're on the sports fix. J-Rock Daddy, it's LG. Hey, what's up, baby? I've got like two minutes for you, LG. I'll tell you something, J-Rod Daddy. I, I bet on Pacquiao to win that fight. I didn't know he was injured. That cost me money, brother. And I got to tell go. you something. The reason, the, I'll tell you right now, Pacquiao would have won that fight had he had not had a torn rotator cup. And you got to you gotta put part of the blame of this on the the, loss, uh, the, the, the Nevada Boxing Commission because they wouldn't let him take his anti-inflammatory No, 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 no. let me jump in. No, I disagree. That's wrong. And then people that believe that are falsely informed. You put the blame squarely on Pacquiao's people. The Nevada Commission spoke about this this week at length. I listened to the whole press conference, and they made a great amount of sense. What they said was the reason that they denied the shot was because it was not not disclosed at the time it should have been disclosed had they known about the injury even when they asked for the shot they still did not disclose the injury as they they knew it had had the commission known they they would have a reconsidered but i'll tell you why nobody put it down here's why it wasn't disclosed because they knew that he needed rotator cuff surgery and they knew that this fight would be postponed for 9 to 12 months had the commission known about this injury they would have postponed this fight and there would have been no Cinco de Mayo weekend it would have blown up this whole weekend and all of this that was rushed and put together to make this massive payday That is why Manny Pacquiao's people did not disclose it. But had they disclosed the injury like they should have, then this would not have happened. So they were hiding that injury for a reason. And that reason is because there's a reason they chose this weekend to have the fight. Because it's a holiday in Mexico. It's a a big Hispanic tradition. There's large groups. Look at how much money was made. They chose this weekend for a reason. And they were not going to put this fight off and risk it not happening. This was too big of a payday. Pacquiao's making a hundred million. Mayweather's making almost two hundred million. That's what it was, and you can only blame Pacquiao's people. I'll be honest with you. I think Pacquiao faces a suspension from the commission of Nevada for not exposing this before the fight. I believe he's going to get fined six figures, and I believe that he's going to get suspended because of the fraud aspect of not disclosing that injury. He withheld oh, Wait a minute, J-Rock. Hold on a minute. Isn't there no truth to the, to the fact that uh, the commission was allowing him to use anti-inflammatory shots during training camp? No, no, no. There are certain... Of course you can get certain things cleared, but no, no, no. He... He tried to get Toradol cleared, which is not just an anti-inflammatory. It's also a painkiller. And he tried to sneak it through hours before the fight, which would have given him basically a numb sh- a numb shoulder. And he could have damaged that shoulder as much as he wanted, and he would have felt no pain, and he would have had a clear advantage over Mayweather. But had he disclosed it earlier, they would have forced him to go to the doctor. The doctor would have taken an MRI and it would have revealed what Pacquiao's people already knew, which was that this was a... They would have never let him in the ring with a torn rotator cuff and the fight would have been postponed indefinitely. And that's why they didn't do it. They tried to sneak it in right before because 
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Because when you're getting ready for a fight, as long as you clear certain medications, you can be allowed if you need them to take certain things. But they have to be approved, examined weeks ahead of time. Mayweather's people have to know. The commission has to know. They purposely avoided all of that so that they didn't reveal the injury. They knew. They knew weeks out that he tore his rotator cuff. This was a big payday. And this that's why I use the word fraud, LG, because in all honesty, it starts to smell a whole lot more like blatant fraud. Like they knew that they were doing this because let's cash it. That's why, you know, didn't you find it suspicious? How many times have you ever seen a fight postponed so that they could take every last pay-per-view order humanly possible? They postponed this fight for 45 minutes so that they could get every dollar they could because they knew that the stuff was about to I hit the fan. I thought they that off that it was a Time Warner problem. Well, there was problems everywhere because things were exploding. But I'm just saying, the the juice was worth the squeeze for these guys, my friend. They they definitely milked everything. Well, I better jump on board of that class action lawsuit to get my five bucks back, huh? Well, I don't know about the five bucks, but if you ordered it on pay-per-view, if you ordered it on pay-per-view, you can easily jump in on one of those and get your $100 back. It'll probably take a year or two for that thing to get settled, but there will be some money paid back for that because that is definitely fraud, especially at the minute the commission does something to Pacquiao, then now you've really got something to go to court and say, look, man, they suspended him for not disclosing. Is it Because that's legit. That is against the rules to not disclose your injury. It's not at well, your discretion. They were discretion. talking about even uh, the possibility of, uh, of uh, the uh, state of Nevada commission uh, filing perjury charges against Pacquiao. I mean, you got to prove saying. it. But uh, not, perjury yeah, is such a hard thing to prove, but they were... They were talking about maybe even thinking about bringing him up on perjury charges because well, he clearly checked no to any injury on the form. Because it's a state form and it's a government form. And, and yeah, there are. that's what I'm saying. I think he's going to face repercussions. I'm telling you, man, this was a cash out, brother. It was a blatant, look, we can try it. Because look at how hard it was to put this together. I'm telling you, there was at least... 50-50 odds that this fight would have fell apart had it been postponed. That's why they didn't put the tickets on sale until a week before the fight. Remember how everything was so rushed, and now it makes sense because they they needed to get this thing on and off and money in and the bank. Some, you you yeah. got some people that paid a quarter of a million dollars for a ticket. 
I know. We saw the pictures of the the private airplane airport that had the jets parked like a like it was the Muni lot outside a Browns game. They had the private jets. It was a traffic jam of private planes outside that fight. It was ridiculous, bro. It was the 1% of the 1%. LG, my man, I got to go. Good phone call, bro. All right, J-Rock, Danny, I'll talk to you. Be good. You got it. My man, Dan Wismar is getting ready to join us here. Dan, I know he's listening to us. Jump on in on the conversation, guys. Good phone call, but I'm telling you, it's only just the just the beginning of that. You'll hear you'll hear a hundred more of those lawsuits filed before the end of the week, and I still think I, I should probably I've got some people at that work for some casinos out in Vegas. I should I should talk to some people because I know there's gotta be that aspect of it too from the legal sports gambling aspect of it. I mean, again, I go back to if it was a Super Bowl, if I bet on the, the Patriots and I lose my dough because Tom Brady had a torn rotator cuff and I didn't know that, uh, somebody owes me my money back. That was a fraudulent bet that was taken. So I'm curious about that. Let's uh, get Dan Wismar in on the conversation. Matter of fact, we might as well ask him here. Well, Dan, how you doing? Doing great, Jerry. I, I'm taking notes here. I, I, I like your expression. The juice is worth the squeeze. I, I hadn't heard that. I hadn't heard that before. I don't know if you made that up off the top of your head or what. No, no, it's a it's a gambling expression. But uh, oh, okay. Um, it's a seriously. This is this is definitely I think going to continue to evolve into a bigger story. There's no doubt in my mind that uh, there was high levels of some fraud going on here just to get this thing in the ring, man. And I think it, with the money involved, there's no way that this is not going to blow up into a big deal yeah i can see it blowing up because it's first of all it's uh now that the fight's over it's all that the boxing world has to talk about uh and uh you know so it's going to get talked about i I just uh to be honest with you i I haven't paid a lot of attention to the whole boxing game for several years here it really has the sport is 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 really dying if not dead uh, with the exception of you know these two guys i couldn't name the heavyweight champion of the world uh, for example, uh, you know, you, you maybe I'm sure you probably can, but it's just not something that I've paid a lot of attention to, uh, you know, in recent, Which uh, recent years. I, I think there's like 15 of them. I know Klitschko's one of the Klitschko's has one of them. I don't know. I'm not a buy. I I'm with you. And I, and that's a shame because I used to know them all. I mean, think about it, you know. Uh, even through my childhood, the '80s was still a heyday of boxing with all the great. Oh, it was, was huge! Going, it was huge. You know? we, used to, and... we used to go out to the bars and watch the fights. I can remember watching oh. the, the Buster Douglas Tyson fight 25 oh, yeah. years ago. You, you know, know, it was a big, big deal. But you know, it, it really just sort of over the years. And this is just me. I have nothing against people that still enjoy the sport. I was always fascinated with the Olympic caliber, uh, the Olympic level of the sport. It was so much faster. It was so much cleaner. Uh, and, and just a high quality of boxing instead of the waltzing around that you see yeah. at the at the heavyweight level. Um, Olympic boxing was just always tremendously exciting for me. Uh, but after a while, you know, you just get to the point and you see what happens to people like Muhammad Ali, and you start wondering if he really should be patronizing a sport where the uh, where the goal is to inflict brain damage on the other guy. I mean, I, it just became a little bit unseemly to me and a little bit uh, uh, tragic. Uh, and uh, really a, a sport that I have found less and less uh, worthy of my patronage over time. Oh, yeah, you know, and I mean, a lot of, in general, I mean, look at the national perception of boxing kind of changed. What was it? Oh, come on, now it's slipping me. Um, the guy who died um, in the 80s uh, that really, um, 
the national team. Uh, oh, come on! Oh, it's I'm trying to I'm trying to think of it too. I, I know uh, you know I'm what I'm talking about. On. It was the guy was from, the the guy that did it was from Ohio, wasn't he? It was from uh, from Youngstown. Oh yeah, or Boom Boom Mancini. Um, uh, boom boom, yeah, yeah, the boom boom fight. Yeah, and then Ray Mancini like that, uh, you, killed a guy, Duck Ju Kim or something like that. That's it. Huh? Yeah, yeah, Kim. Yes, exactly. And things like that led to it being taken off national TV, and it just, you know, it really you started to see a change in that. But I mean, in general, there's not enough. There's no marketability. To me, the sport's a dying sport anyway. And I think that MMA, I've, I've said before, has become kind of the next evolution of that anyway. Because if you're in to combat sports there's there's so many other branch offs that i look at boxing more as a skill set within a much larger skill set of different grapplings and different types of things like you're an amateur wrestling guy you know and i like amateur wrestling and i like boxing and i like i, I that's what i like so much about mixed martial arts is it's truly a combination of so many different disciplines that i think that really makes it interesting to me because it's such a wide skill set that you've got to have to be to be truly successful at it, you know? Yeah, that's true. And and anybody just talking about the, the corruption uh, surrounding this fight, I mean, talk about, you know, this is this is my shock face, you know? Uh, the, the right, boxing, boxing is, is, uh, corrupt. is corrupt. Whoa. This is not, not, exactly, not exactly a new <laughs> development in the boxing world. But uh, I, so anyway, anybody who's been paying attention for the last 50 years, you know, well, yes. well you know, should, should expect that as opposed to being surprised or shocked by it. But I mean, man, I'll tell you what, man. All these lawsuits continuing to come. I mean, that money you have to know, and it's. I think it's only going to be worse. But I'll tell you, LG brought up a great point. Uh, there's a legitimate, not just a fine and suspension, but there's potential legal charges that Pacquiao is facing because he did commit perjury on a government form. I mean, matter of fact, uh, uh, Darren Rovell tweeted the actual form out earlier this morning from the commission of uh, of that form of him filling it out saying they specifically ask him have you had injuries to the elbow to the hands to the shoulders that need examination have you had broken bones they ask him all of these questions and several of them would be specifically what he's you know uh, injured with and he answered no to every single one of those so uh, there's 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 an actual charge that he may face off of that for being disingenuous there. And again, uh, I wouldn't blame any of these people. If I paid a hundred dollars, damn well bet I'd want to get my hundred dollars back too. Because to me, it's the equivalent of whether you like boxing or not, going into the Super Bowl and then finding out that Tom Brady had a torn shoulder and you didn't know it. And you you pl- the difference is you don't pay to watch the Super Bowl. But imagine if you paid a hundred bucks to watch the Super Bowl and then you found out. You know. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, uh, who knows what will happen. Uh, you know, come out of it with the lawsuits and stuff. Like you say, it'll take a couple of years to find out. But uh, I don't know. It's uh, it, it's a dirty sport. It kind of always has been, and uh, it, it does help to explain why the people that were paying for it and watching the fight. And I was just following my Twitter feed during the fight. I wasn't watching, uh, but people were disappointed right from the start uh, that it seemed like these guys were going through the motions. Yeah. And that they were, you know, doing a lot of dancing, a lot of holding, a lot of grabbing, uh, and and not that that's uncommon in in big time boxing, but uh, the people that were watching were expecting more, and they they didn't feel like the fighters' hearts were in it, uh, and and that Pacquiao in general gave a pretty listless, uh, you know, blasé kind of a performance, and uh, this at least helps explain some of that.
I guess, man. Like I say, he he spent the second half of the fight like he won. Like neither one of them were trying to win. It was it turned into. A, I'm telling you, the first six rounds were different than the back six because the first six, the first three belonged to Mayweather, and then Pacquiao did start to fight a little bit. And I thought, okay, this may turn into something, but it just they did. If you watched it, you'd been pulling your hair out by the end because they're just running and nobody's doing nothing, and and neither they both think they won the fight. And I I'm telling you. I I hate to think the worst of people, but I could totally see Bob Arum and Floyd and Pacquiao getting in a dark room six months ago and going, look, here's how we cash in on this thing. We finally give the people the fight that they want to see. We agree to dance around for 12 rounds. And then we've got this injury thing we can cook up and come back with a rematch and give you the second biggest fight of all time one year. I'm telling you, it sounds like something Vince McMahon would sit down in a room and put together. And I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but it wouldn't be the first time that two guys looked at each other and said, well, I'm not taking a dive, but I won't necessarily try to win either. So something happened and it wasn't on the up and up and i can't wait to see it uh continue to come out here but anyways dan uh you and i let's talk about some stuff we haven't touched on since you and i talked last first game cavaliers bulls we looked into it when we talked on monday and then they played it and i'm telling you i had the feeling that game one would be would be a tough one for the Cavs because they were the team making the adjustments as we saw i think game two will be a different story but what were your thoughts on that first game well, I think you're right. That and, and going in, I think the Bulls felt and, and heard many people say that if the Bulls are going to win the series, they absolutely had to win game one because yeah. not only are the Cavs making adjustments, but they're coming off the, the, the long period of inactivity, the eight days or whatever it was, and, and obviously had a chance to. And, of course, as it turned out, they looked like they were shaking off a little rust early in that game. You know, what, what happened that I didn't expect to happen is that once it got back to what, 53 all or whatever when, when they came back and tied it in the early third oh, quarter. The run. That, the run. That then they immediately, immediately gave it back. You know, it so often happens. You, you fight and you put up all that effort to get back into a game when you're trailing and you pull even. Uh, that sometimes you suffer a little bit of a letdown, and that's obviously what happened there. What was it, a, close to a 15-point run? 15-0. To run back out. Uh, and, and essentially I thought they buried themselves right there. The Bulls don't lose double-digit leads in the fourth quarter, and we've said it in the in the lead-up to the series, uh, Jerry, you and me, that that uh, you can afford to do that sort of thing against the Celtics team, but you can't afford to do it against the Bulls. And and they did it, and they paid for it with with an early early loss. Uh, so, my own sense of the game, my own feeling about the game was that uh, you know LeBron can be assertive without. Uh, taking upon himself to score and and he did that and he i just thought it was a little too many uh driving kickouts and not near enough driving take it to the rim where you're either going to score or get fouled um you know he did that a little bit early uh let's say second quarter he he did his usual i'm going to spread the ball around and i'm going to be the the hub of activity and distribute the ball to people and get them involved and after the game i heard him say something to the effect that he probably did that too much and that uh, you know, he did a little bit too much feeling out, uh, and, and, you know, taking the temperature of things. And, you know, meanwhile, his team's fallen behind by double digit points in the early going. So I think we'll see a, a more assertive LeBron in terms of scoring, uh, himself. Um, although I don't think he shot the ball, you know, terribly well the last several games uh, of the playoffs, but, um, 
I just think he needs to be more assertive on the scoring end and, and that the Cavs need to obviously uh, answer some questions about how they defend the pick and roll. And, and somebody's got to come out on Paul Gasol. Uh, uh, the, the other thing is I can't believe that the Bulls are going to shoot as well throughout the series as they did the other night. Right. I mean, you're not going to have Dunleavy going five for his first five. And I don't even know if Gasol missed a shot all night. Uh, and he had so many wide open looks from that 10 to 14 foot area. Uh, and he was just shredding it. I don't think he hit the rim with any of them. So it was, um, I just don't think that's going to happen again. I don't see that shooting uh, percentage or repeating itself as the series goes on. Right. I mean, I, you, I don't think you were listening at the beginning, but that was kind of where I was with it. I said, what you saw Chicago do in game one is what they will hope to do for every game of this series. I believe that game one was was optimal bulls. That's the best you can get if you go out there and everything's hitting, and that's about the game you're going to get. So if you're the bulls, you can have lesser games, but I don't believe that overall you're going to have a better game than what you did in game one. So that being said, you cannot say anywhere near the same thing for the Cavaliers. There's many things the Cavaliers can and will change and improve upon to where if you're a Cavs fan, you actually should feel decent looking at it from that perspective because uh, there's a lot of things, as, as and you mentioned some of them there, that the Cavaliers will be able to pick up on. But that's kind of the way I see it. You're, they're going to – the best they can do is repeat the way they did, as you said, Dunleavy starting the way he did. And then and, and Gasol, I mentioned his stats. Eight of nine on the pick and roll there when nobody guarded him. And from that eight to 12 foot, as you said, and then only two of seven when somebody actually went and stuck a hand in his face. So I fully expect that to be addressed. And part of that will be with, with Tristan Thompson out there starting tonight. Cavs played better with that lineup in, which is why Tristan will be in there from the beginning. I think that will also uh, help the Cavs in this one too. But as you said, that was as good as it can get, man, for the Bulls in game one. The best they can do is... Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Just repeat that performance. Yeah, and I think we see people that are, uh, you know, on the national scene and, you know, Windhurst being one of them and some other people are basically saying, hey, man, this is a this is a blip that they still don't feel that the, that the Bulls can win four games over the Cavaliers. And, and, and like you said, I, I don't think so either. Uh, you know, uh, it obviously... Game two becomes even more crucial than ever, and obviously, I think if they lose game two, this you know you can pretty much chalk it up. But um, you know, I don't see that happening, and I and I still don't see the Bulls winning four games out of seven. 
No, and I think tonight, as we said, you'll see the Cavs come out with a different, as you mentioned, with LeBron be more aggressive tonight, and I'm with it. And I think the Cavaliers, I, Tristan coming in will change things. I mean, obviously, you found out lesson learned when you made the move to Mike Miller and you see what you got there. Okay. So you find the guys I mentioned, Tristan as a starter, a better statistic was a 13 and 10 pretty much averaging as a starter. I think he steps in big tonight. And I think the Cavaliers come away with this one with the, uh, with the victory we saw in some of these other series too, man, I'll tell you, I don't know if you're, if you're watching around the NBA, but man, Memphis, that game with Conley last night, man, that was a, uh, that was a good one, and Memphis is going to give Golden. I don't know if they've got enough to win that series, although last round I I said they could. Uh, Golden State is a very good team, but Memphis can ball with them, man, and Conley's a difference maker. Yeah, he is. He came out last night, and I did not get a chance to watch that game, but I uh, read the accounts of it this morning, and, and they said that uh, you know Conley was a spark. Uh, he had nine points that, uh, off the bat. Yeah. Yeah, not it was yeah. nine to nine. It was Conley and Golden State nine to nine in the first few minutes of the game, man. He was he was hitting everything, brother. Well, that's that's great to see. I love the kid, and uh, uh, you know would would obviously be rooting for Memphis. I uh, where did he play ball? Cavs... Where where did he play ball at? I'm just I, I thought he played somewhere. Oh, I, I can't remember. Somewhere close to here. South, somewhere, somewhere close south to of here. Yeah, I don't know. But, uh, only for one year, but I uh, <laughs> wish we could have kept him longer. But, I know. Uh, I'm rooting for the Grizzlies just for that reason and uh, because I'm, I'm always pulling for the underdog and those things and then trying to figure out who might be the better matchup for the Cavs if they make it that far. But uh, yeah, yeah, certainly I think we'd, ra- we'd rather play the Grizzlies. I think the Cavs matched up with the Grizzlies pretty well this year. I'll tell you, look at the four teams that are left over there. I think I think the Rockets may be the worst of the four teams that are left over in the West. Those are, that's a strong four-team group. Golden State, no joke either. Conley was doing his thing early, and uh, and man, I just I watched that Golden State team with my jaw dropping sometimes because you it doesn't matter. You can have a double-digit lead on that team. It's a lot like the Cavs during the regular season. We saw them do this a few times. Golden State has that ability in 30 seconds. They can be down double digits, and next thing you know, this thing's tied or or they're, they've taken the lead because they're just so good. Everybody can shoot threes on that team. They're, they're a strong rebounding team. Uh, Curry really is just an amazing shooter. I watched his shot. I, I what was it? Somebody used to describe Mark Price how the ball fires off of those wrists when he shoots it, man. And I mean, Curry's just got that same shot. It's a thing of beauty. Uh, even early when Conley was going, Curry would come right back down and make a shot. And I'm like, man, that, the Warriors team is strong. But I mean, they're they're one of those teams that can be down 12 and boom, 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 their their game's tied. And you're like, unbelievable. You you can never bury that Golden State team. That's true. And Clay Thompson, I mean, he's a guy Clay who's Thompson, just now yeah. coming into his coming into his own. He is also an amazing shooter. Yes. Heard some yes. people talking last night on on TV about uh, uh, I can't remember who it was. Some prominent basketball guy saying he thinks that Clay Thompson and Seth Curry might be the best you know one two guard combination ever. And I thought, wow, you know that that's pretty really? uh, an amazing statement. But uh, you know, as far as their scoring ability, sure, uh, they they may be. They're both fantastic uh, long-term shooters, long, long-range shooters, I should say. And Thompson uh, is big enough that he can, uh, you know, he doesn't need to shoot outside. He's very good at going to the rim and finishing at the rim uh, as well. So they are offensively, they're they're a fabulous combo and uh, tough for anybody to match up with because Thompson's just so big at the two. 
Yeah, they sure are, man. I'll tell you, that series is going to be interesting to watch, man. Cavaliers, Bulls tonight. Atlanta got their win last night. I figured that there was no way that they could. uh, Again, it's that desperation. You saw it in all of these series. Uh, The road team will take game one. Uh, You saw that with that series there. And here with Memphis and Golden State, you saw the reverse. But all of these series, I expect, unlike the first round, which had a bunch of blowouts and just one really, truly competitive series, I think every one of these uh, second round, all four of these second round series are going to be uh, they're going to be six, seven game dogfights here, man. The better team's going to emerge from these. You can just see in the early games, these are, this is a different level of basketball than what we saw in the first round. Yeah, it really has been exciting, and uh, there have been years when I haven't been nearly as into the NBA playoffs as I am this year for obvious reasons. Right, right. You no have chance. a reason with the, yeah. with the hometown favorites being uh, being right in the thick of it. So, uh, obviously, we said the other day that might have been the, the, the best first-round series anybody's ever seen, uh, the uh, Spurs Clippers. But uh, that, uh, And you're right that Houston certainly did not come out and cover themselves in glory the other night they, they, they look pretty bad but um that that figures to be a good series too and just, for, you know before it's all said and done i think that clipper i think that win over the spurs is going to put the clippers on another i think their confidence i just think that i think they win the west because of that man and i'm gonna say it i, I don't know if i said it with you but that game seven with spurs and the clippers top five of any basketball game I've ever watched. I'll put that already right there. Now, I, I don't know where I could put specifics without thinking about other games, but easily one of the top four or five basketball games I've ever watched. Yeah, that's true. And we did talk Monday about how yeah. Chris Paul, not only in game seven, but oh, game six, just really six. set himself apart as uh, one, of the, one of the great clutch performances uh, that I've seen uh, in a playoff series uh, by one player, especially with the, you know, I saw the shot. We didn't see it live during the game, but later on on the highlights of him, you know, dribbling the ball down the court, holding his hamstring with the Dragging other hand. Dragging one leg, know? yeah, I, I thought, know. Oh, my God. And like Willis Reed. That, you know, that, that, it's almost so dramatic as to, as to seem like it was put on, but I don't believe that it was put on. I mean, uh, he obviously could see him over on the sideline later holding his head, grimacing in pain. He obviously was experiencing some very real pain. And, uh, and then to go back out and hit that game winner like he did, uh, that's just, that's Willis Reed-esque, you know. Yes. You, you make me too young to remember that one, but but uh, Willis Reed, uh, sort of like Kurt Gibson coming off the bench in a World Series, and, uh, fighting, uh, fighting injury and giving it your best shot and coming up with a huge clutch performance. It reminds me of, of Kurt Gibson and Willis Reed both. Absolutely. That's what I just said. Willis Reed, as you were saying, it, it conjures that up, man. And, uh, hey, no need to question how bad it was. It made him – that that's going to affect him going into this series. He missed the first game there. I mean, obviously. You know, you saw the same thing with Washington, John Wall. I mean, you know, who knows? That, that really changes. As we saw last night, that's a completely different Wizards team when they don't have their – that's their point guard. That's their engine there running things. And well, I thought it was Bradley Beal that was hurt. No, no, but, it was uh, it's Wall. Oh, okay, it's Wall. Okay, yeah. I wasn't paying a lot of attention to that. I'm, I'm no. wrong about that. No, it's John Wall, and I mean that's that's their motor, man. So there was a huge difference in Game One and Game Two. Atlanta, even though Washington kept coming back and kept it close by the end, Atlanta was really pulling away. They had one big run that just kind of broke their back, and you could just see the difference. I mean, John Wall is that's a huge weapon. It'd be like taking Kyrie or LeBron off the Cavs, you know. I mean. 
that's a that's not just a weapon, but it's the one that distributes the ball too. So I think that uh, if they don't get him back, that could that definitely could swing that series. But yeah, Chris Paul, I mean, he gave so much in that first series that it's it's carried over here into this next one. And then they were still able to win, and that to me is what's a bad sign for the Houston Rockets is the fact that the Clippers still won that game the way they did because uh, I just think they're they're man Blake Griffin came out and said, okay, Chris Paul, you're hurt. I'm going to step up now. And I think he looked like a different Blake Griffin in round two already. And I know it's early, but we'll see. And that's why, look at how all these series have changed through just a couple of games. Anybody that's sitting on that bridge needs to just back off and relax and uh, sit back and enjoy game two. It should be a raucous, raucous environment down at the queue tonight, my friend. Yeah, looking forward to back and uh, park in front of the tube and uh, and take it all in. And, you know, like you say, Everybody needs to just get out of the prediction business and, uh, you know, sit back and, and watch these games unfold because they've got enough drama to, to keep everybody interested and to, and to satisfy, uh, you know, everything. And obviously it was, it was tough to watch the other night when you're, you know, when you're, you're obviously not playing your best game in a, in, in a venue where, you know, you had the crowd ready to be all jacked up and excited about things and you kind of, kind of let the let the opposition take the crowd out of the game but don't see that happen in two games in a row and uh we'll uh, just enjoy taking it in tonight and be doing a little bit of channel surfing over to that tribe game but uh We'll, we'll be uh, we'll be paying attention to the Cavs first and foremost. Absolutely, you know what you segued it good. I mentioned I think I don't think you had tuned in yet when when I brought this up earlier. Um, Mike Brandenburg sent me a text during the Indians game last night, and he just goes, "Jerry, what world do we live in that people think that Bro Ohio can save the Indians, but LeBron James can't help the Cavaliers beat the Bulls?" And I said, "I know, man." I said, "What a what a, a funny text that is," because he was, you know, referencing. Uh, uh, you know, the way people were talking yesterday. And I just thought, what a funny observation because it is kind of true. People are going, boy, maybe Brohio can help the Indians here, but LeBron can't help the Cavs beat the Bulls, man. They're just done. And I laughed when he sent me that. I said, brother, I'm mentioning this one tomorrow because it was just, it was so point on that it was, it was funny. Well, it is funny how uh, we treat our different teams differently. I saw somebody make the comparison to the Browns, um, you know, as as uh, you know, when when the Browns lose to a terrible Jacksonville team, you know, their their fans are, ah, it's just another game. You know, we'll get them next week, kind of thing. But but uh, you know, the Cavs lose a game to the Bulls, and it's over. LeBron's terrible. Yep. It, you know, we're dead. Uh, <laughs> you know, this team this team sucks. <laughs> you know, and uh, we we do certainly uh, have different uh, you know worldviews on on our different sports teams depending on. Uh, what we what we feel about him at the time. So yeah, it is interesting. I, you know, you and I we talked about it was more it was more hope than prediction. I'm sure Jerry when we when we said that the team obviously the Indians that is needs a needs an emotional lift and there's only so many team meetings and lectures from your manager that that, that will do any good and and uh, you know we speculated well hey you know at least we got a right. an emotional rah rah guy coming back to the dugout. I don't think anybody expected him to to come out and and do it with his bat, but maybe he could uh, supply a little bit of spark uh, emotionally to the team. Uh, you know, we didn't see that if he was grounding out to shortstop a couple oh. times last night, but uh, you know, I, I guess the, the hope game. might still be there that he can <laughs> that he can provide a little bench uh, veteran leadership. 
All I got was a million messages last night that said, there's your boy, 0 for 4, strikeout to end the game. Welcome back, bro, Ohio. I say, look, man, I just said he was going to bring some attitude and some some energy to the lineup, man. But uh, let's talk a little bit, though, uh, along those lines. Some changes being made. I mean, you're really starting to see. And this is where we talk about Terry Francona all the time, being a, a player's manager. He waits a long time. He really calculates his changes, but he doesn't dip a toe in the water. Once once he has finally reached the point where he's going somewhere, he doesn't pussyfoot around and say, oh, well, maybe we'll go back. Put case in point, Michael Bourne. He gave Michael Bourne a long time in the leadoff position to get himself together. A few weeks back, 10 days ago, whatever, he finally makes that change. Follows it up very quickly by saying, hey, Michael Bourne is going to sit against left-handers from here on out until we see a reason to change that. And again, I mean, just phasing back more of Michael Bourne. But as Terry Francona said, we're at the point now where we can't sit here and watch ourselves get any more behind when there's things that we can do to make some changes. Yeah, that's true, and I'm all for it. I, I um, you know, like I said, first we moved him down to the to the nine spot, and and for a couple of days there in the nine hole, he, yeah, he, he got seemed going. like he was yeah. seemed like he was striking the ball a little bit better, squaring up the ball a little bit, and uh, uh, you know, maybe coming out of it. But I, and I didn't watch the numbers, you know, lefty versus righty uh, kind of thing. But obviously, Francona is convinced that he's just so hapless, hopeless uh, versus the lefties right now that he has no choice but to sit him down. Um, all all in favor of it. Uh, you can't worry about bruised feelings. And, uh, you know, when, when uh, like like you know, Keto said, you know, you got to do everything you can to get out there and win a couple of baseball games. And, uh, and he's got to go with his gut on that. So, yeah, absolutely uh, favor sitting born down. He doesn't deserve to be playing every day, you know, least of all against lefties when uh, – when we're getting the productivity out of them that we are. All right, let me ask you something, Dan. Before we go any deeper with the Indians, let's focus on Michael Bourne. Michael Bourne, year three of his contract, four years, nearly $50 million. It was $48 million or so. I think he's at about $13 million this year. He's got one more big money year left. But, you know, and, and very rare do you reach the point where you've still got a year and, and three quarters left at very big money. I think what do they owe him combined? Like $25 million here still or something like that. And you've already bumped him down, as we've said, and now he's become a part-time player, at least temporarily. I mean, this, to me, starts to feel like a shift. And I'm not saying this is something that happens in the next couple of weeks, but does this not begin to open the door to the Indians considering more permanent ways to part themselves from the player Michael Bourne even if they're still attached to his contract well I think it has to I think you have to just at some point think that maybe it's uh, uh, you know water over the dam or whatever or you know you're going to have to pay the money anyway so do you make a move to, to help the team um, what is your I think you certainly have to be considering that you know in, in years past uh, the, the, the farm system has not exactly been filled to the brim with uh, outfield prospects that are ready to come up and play. And I think we may still be a year away from having guys like, uh, you know, James Ramsey or Tyler Naquin or, or, or people like that that are ready to come and play at the big league level. Um, but maybe at some point you have to just roll the dice with one of them. And, and I don't think you necessarily look at Tyler Holt as being your long-term answer. Uh, just sent him down, obviously, when they when they activated Swisher. But um, you've got now a bunch of outfield prospects uh, in Naquin, in Ramsey, and even a guy like uh, 
uh, Clint Frazier, who's still probably legitimately a, a year, maybe two away. Probably two, um, yeah, yeah. But but you do have to start thinking about doing something to to uh, maybe just uh, jettison Bourne and and see if you can get something for him, or uh, uh, you know make some kind of a move because he three years is a long time, and and you have to at some point start thinking, hey, maybe what we're seeing is what we're going to get, and uh, you know uh, we shouldn't expect anything more than this, and we need to make a move. So. Yeah, I, right. I uh, you keep hoping that he'll become the born of old, but uh, don't don't see that. He looks like a guy that's uh, you know over the hill. Uh, you know, so far, you know, yeah. obviously what we've seen is has not been what we expected, and been a disappointment. And and again, I don't even know what kind of return you're talking about, but I mean. In all honesty, his trade value is minimal as it is, is absolutely nil in the final season of his contract. And part of me says, if you've already reached the point where you're starting to to move yourself away from him in the everyday lineup, uh, to me, you're in year three. The, the worst thing, and I don't care how positive a guy says things in the media or whatever, what is the likelihood of getting a full honest effort from a guy in the final year of a big money contract that knows he is in no way a part of your plans going forward no matter what he does he can hit 400 and you're not re-signing him at this point so what 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 is the odds that you would want that on your team in that final season next year which means if you've reached and i think that's why the indians are starting to move the way they are now because if you're gonna extricate yourself I think it happens somewhere between now and the beginning of next season. There's no way you take a potential distraction or anything, whatever you want to say. There's no way you take that into a final season, regardless of all that money. So if that's the case, at least whatever minimal, and I don't even know what value you could expect to get from him, but whatever it is, it's not going to be there after this year. And it's barely there now as it is, but I just, I've got to, what would your gut tell you? What would it take? I mean, I, I've got to think by trade deadline time, if Michael Bourne is still the same Michael Bourne that he is now, there's not a chance in the world that the tribe keeps him around. I think you're probably right, and, and I don't think anyone would shed a tear if he was shipped out of town. Um, because you do have a center field option. You do have Michael Brantley, who can clearly play yes. the position. Uh, and, and you can fill in left field with, with uh, whomever, any One number of, those right of people or prospects. <laughs> uh, you know, and it might end up being a guy like Walters or it might end up being a guy like Ramsey or, 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 or somebody of that uh, stature, um, you know, in addition to people that maybe you already have on your roster, whether it be a, a Rayburn or a Murphy or someone like that. But um, you do have a guy who can legitimately handle center field for you and, and be a, a stud center fielder, certainly with the bat, more than you expect from your from, from most major league center fielders. If you put Michael Brantley out there, um, and so handling the position defensively is not that big of a concern. Um, and, and corner outfielders are, you know, more prevalent in the organization than they've been in over the last five years. Even if you bring somebody up that might not be quite 100% ready, uh, you can expect to get at least Michael Bourne level production out of them. You know, so. Right. Uh, I certainly wouldn't uh, wouldn't disagree with that kind of a move, and especially like you say, if you've already written off next year as as a time when you're unlikely to get anything other than what you've already gotten. Uh, you know, they talk about the definition of insanity. 
Well, think about this. I mean, think of that final season. And I'm not accusing Michael Bourne of, of being unprofessional. Even if he's going out there and giving it the old college try, I can totally see, hey, we've seen Nick Swisher do this for the last two years. Be ineffective, stand there and smile at the media every day. Hey, it's a great day. Of course it's a great day. I'm making a million dollars a day to sit out here and bat 200, you know? Like, I mean, I could just totally see a scenario where it's not real. It doesn't matter what the production is because I mean that is a scenario where there's no forward there's no future here so and I mean what motivation maybe he does but what motivation at his age does he have to fight for that next contract I mean this was that contract you know I mean I don't know I just don't see if things don't get better this year I see nothing good next year with Michael Bourne as a main part of this team just because we owe him the money because like you said you're going to pay him regardless but it if it's going to kill your team and he's not the only problem on the Indians, but the fact that they've reached this point. And I was curious if you were agree, like would agree with me or not, because once they started here and then when I saw the lefty thing, I go, man, they're, they're very quickly going, okay, dude, we're giving you about enough opportunity. And then my next question was, well, when does the next step go? Because they say, okay, we've got some, what, nine out of the next 10 after today, our right-handed starters again, so he'll get some more at bats. But you got to think when we start hitting the beginning of June, if he's still batting where he's batting, I mean, at that point, when does your next decision come in? And I just wondered if it was just me speculating, or if you could see the tribe feeling the same way. Uh, yeah, I absolutely can, and and it, it is hard to envision uh, the whole Michael Bourne thing ending well. Uh, you know, either way, uh, and that includes him being on the on the team and in the lineup every day in 2016 uh, I don't see that ending well either like you say it's hard, hard to imagine him cranking it up uh, because he's thinking in terms of his next contract uh, because you know this this was his career contract this was his big money contract and there won't be another one for Michael Bourne no, not that level, you know. I mean, I'm not saying he won't sign somewhere for a year here or a year there, perhaps. But uh, you know, at that point, you're a, you're a you're you're a plug and play guy. You got your fifty million dollars right here from the Indians, brother, and they still owe you twenty five of it. But that some more changes here with the tribe is you know looking at that, you can see as we're mentioning here, Terry Francona talking with a bit more urgency still not trying to abandon it's a long season but as he said we cannot sit here and have options and not use them and just sit here and continue to dig ourselves in a, a deeper hole look at yesterday's game here again we're back to the first series since they've won back-to-back games. They had a chance to do it yesterday. Started out great. You get the home run, and that same problem all season long. They give the comeback inning right back to Kansas City, and then Kansas City goes up. Indians look like they may make a game of it, but they're unable to put enough runs on the board, and it just seems like... You know, one step forward, two steps backwards, one step forward, you know, just kind of doing the mosey along here. But what did you think last night watching that one? Well, like you say, more of the same. Uh, you know, the, the fact that this team has been unable to win back-to-back games in a month is just mind-blowing. I know. Um, when, you, when you consider the, the, the starting pitching that we thought we had coming in and, and uh, you know, the lineup that we had. So uh, the fact that they just have not, you know, and like you say, so many times we've seen them, uh, haven't seen them grab a whole lot of leads, and when they have grabbed them, they've quickly given them up. Uh, and uh, I, I barely, you know, I, 
wasn't watching the game at the very outset. I, I turn on my phone. I see that it's two nothing, and I think I got up to get a cup of coffee or something. I came back down and looked at it again. It's three to two. I thought, well, that that, that, that didn't, didn't last, last. very long. Uh, <laughs> that's, just, that's sort of a, sort of the way it's gone uh, this season. But uh, yeah, uh, frustrating. You know, is all you can say. You know, you're, you're watching it and you keep seeing more of the same. You keep seeing a lack of timely hitting and and lots of lots of uh, leaving men on base and. Now, this is a guy, a pitcher, that we knocked around the last time we saw him and looked like we might be doing it again when, when uh, Brantley goes deep in the first inning. But uh, and then we he went on to yeah. retire, what, eight or eight in a row and then pretty much put up his best start of the season. And, right. And he couldn't, couldn't muster much more after that. I mean, we let him lock in, and you know, I mean, you know what Yost said afterwards that that was even a great pitch that Brantley hit that to hit that home run. So uh, maybe he was more locked in even there than than you realize, because as you said, you know, real quick you're up, you're like, okay, this is a good way to start this thing. Hosmer killed him, you know, he had the big home run and he had the uh, the triple later on in the game as well. How about Salazar? You know, again, uh, not double digits. I think he ended up with nine strikeouts yesterday, but he did pick up his first loss of the season. He got hit a little bit there. Uh, what did you think about him here yesterday? Well, you know, uh, what you get out of him is what you get out of any young starter that's, you know, still in his first full season, really, of, of being a starting pitcher. You get a little bit of inconsistency. Uh, you get mistakes get magnified when, uh, you know, you hit a batter before you get up a home run. You know, little things like that right. that, that end up uh, hurting a young pitcher who, who uh, is still learning the ropes and, uh you know, everything everything you see from him, you know, shows promise. Sometimes he comes out and he's got a little bit more movement on his on his fastball than than other nights. Uh he's got the slider biting a little bit harder some nights than others, but uh you know, the stuff is there and, and you you take the lumps in the first couple years of any starting pitcher's uh, career when he's learning how to pitch and, and uh learning you can't just rely on your stuff but you gotta, you know, make adjustments hitter to hitter, game to game and, and uh that's the stage Danny Salazar is in right now. And, right. you know, you just, you, you try to be patient with a guy like that and recognize the great stuff and, and hope that he continues to get good coaching and, uh, and that the, uh, the adjustments that he makes and the, the, the lumps he takes are, uh, you can chalk them up and, and learn from them and, and continue to get better. Or for sure, because you look at what he did, you know, I mean, obviously the big the big home run, you you take that out of the equation, it's a different game. It's a well-pitched, low-scoring game that the Indians hold on to win there at the end. And, and you know, again, what did he give up? Five hits in seven innings? He had the nine strikeouts. So it was the big hits that did him in. But I, I'm with you, you know, a, a very promising start to the season for Danny Salazar. And you just, you hated to see them not be able to bounce back there because again, like you said, one minute it's two, next thing you know, it's three to two. And uh, they added the run there, tried, tried to get a little something going, but I mean, really Vargas locked in, you know, he gave up that home run. And then other than that, man, he kept the tribe off balance. And again, it falls short. And keep in mind, that's of course a good team that you're talking about. I mean, that's Kansas city there, but the tribe showed that for most of the game, they can play with them. But at the end of the day, Kansas City remains, you know, just like a two-run margin last night, that much better while the Indians just continue to try to put two steps at a time. As you said, that that back-to-back thing throws me, too. It's amazing. And the best part is it's Houston, who's one of the best teams right here, man, just showing how everything's kind of flipped around this season. But it, we won those back-to-back against Houston in that first series and then have yet to win two games in a row. I mean, that's just the definition of inconsistency. 
Yeah, it really is mind blowing uh, that they haven't been able to put back to back wins together. It's uh, you look at last year; they were much more of a streaky team. They would yes, they would win yes. four win four straight, lose five straight, or whatever, and had several streaks like that really throughout the season: five, six wins in a row, four or five losses in a row, and sometimes just right right back to back. Uh, hasn't been like that because they haven't had the long loss streaks either this year. Um, with one, I think maybe a four-game streak is is about the worst. Or it was I when could they be got wrong swept. About that, but... Yeah, that was when they got swept and then uh, lost the one other one. Yeah, I think four would be the longest. Yeah, but yeah, so it's it's been a different kind of season. No, not the streaky streakiness that they had last year, but yeah, just the fact that with just starting pitching, you can't put back-to-back wins together. It's uh, it's really just just remarkable, and it's taken some uh, some real shaky play to to make that happen, but. Uh, you know, and I was saying before that you sort of have to assert yourself against this Royals team. You know, you beat them last year in the season series, and and uh, you really beat every team in the division in the season series last year, except for the Tigers. And uh, this year, the the division play and the the early schedule obviously is heavily weighted toward the division uh, throughout most of baseball this year. And uh, the, the start they're off to is just horrendous. Uh, you're not gonna not gonna win anything if you can't at least break even in your division games, and we're we're far cry from that. Dan Wismar from the Cleveland Fan and EverybodyHatesCleveland.com here on the Sports Fix. We're talking a little Indians. We talked some Cavs, Bulls. Still here. A lot more to go as we keep the conversation going. You guys keep it rolling with us on Facebook, on Twitter, Facebook.com slash the Sports Fix. Tweet with us at the Sports Fix. CLE Drive just has to get back on the horse. You've got Kansas City here tonight and a victory. You know, it doesn't, doesn't take a couple of rocket scientists here to say it would really help to pull one out tonight. Carrasco on the mound for the try, but you've got another another lefty. You've got the kryptonite right back at you. Danny Duffy is going to take the mound here tonight as the Tribe now tries to avoid losing back-to-back games here to the Royals. Yeah, and if I recall, uh, Danny Duffy didn't exactly baffle the Tribe the first time around. No, but we still uh, let him uh, off the I think we did hook. pretty well against him. I, I don't have it in front of me what, what the result was the last time we faced him, but if I recall... Uh, you know, he he uh, he didn't fool a lot of people that day. But he still won, I believe. Wasn't Duffy the one that walked like five guys and we let him off the hook and we just – I may be wrong, but I thought that may have been where we should have beat him up because he wasn't great, but we just kept letting him off the hook. And I, I thought that was what happened, but I'll try to look at Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't have it right in front of me right I'll now because I just remember uh, his, his previous start that uh, he wasn't fooling anybody. And uh, so, so maybe we can uh, – continue that trend and just uh, hopefully outscore these guys. They've got a, they, they've got the offense clicking uh, from top to bottom, and that's what makes it so hard. There really aren't any offensive weaknesses in that lineup anymore, and uh, you know they they're they've got it all clicking. So it's going to be tough. You're going to have to score five six runs and uh, to beat these guys on most nights. Oh, absolutely. And for the most part, we mentioned that yesterday. The Tribe, over the last 10 games before yesterday, had their scoring average, although it was at nearly six runs a game. But when you take the Detroit, that one, the one that they won against Detroit with 13 runs or whatever, that literally jumped the average up over a run a game. So it was actually down slightly under five, but it was still over two runs a game higher, even when you take that out of the equation, than it was when they uh, uh, previous to that. So still a bit of a warm up, but again, cooled right back down last night. It's the timely hit. It's when it comes, and of course, Eric Hosmer had some power there too for the uh, for the uh, Royals. 
Yeah, I was looking at that box score too. By the way, uh, for that first uh, that first start, no, I was looking at the at the Guthrie one. Maybe uh, maybe they didn't face Duffy in that first series. I thought that they did though. Um, I was just checking to see some box scores to see how they did against Duffy the first time around, and I I ended up looking at the wrong game. But uh, in any event, yeah, it's. Uh, no one's going to be paying attention to the drive tonight anyway. Uh, I got a few. Uh, you know, we're, most people are going to be on that other channel watching that other game, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll have to keep tabs on them at least a little bit. Absolutely. You're funny. You say, Nobody's going to be watching that. Yeah, that was the Guthrie game. I'm, I was trying to look that up as well, uh, looking back at the two games that Kansas City won in that previous series and try to see. I'm, I'm pulling up the other one here. To see if that was the yeah, well, they beat they beat Ventura and and uh, you know Vargas beat Kluber, uh, but in the third game uh, their starter was um, Guthrie, so yeah. uh, it, it yep. looks like we didn't face Duffy that first time around. I must have seen him. Uh, maybe he pitched in relief, or I think that may be what it was. That he may have come on in relief in, okay. in one of those ball games, but he didn't start a game against the Indians in that first series. Right, well, we'll see. And then, of course, tomorrow, third game of the series, Corey Kluber still looking for that first win of the season for him tomorrow afternoon. That's a, I think it's a 2 o'clock start on that one here. I'll look at that up, but I believe it's a 2-10 first pitch on that one tomorrow. Hey, by the way, a couple of things, man, I was going to ask you. Today's Willie Mays' birthday, by the way, man. Willie Mays, man, still going strong. I believe he's 84. Speaking of old ball players, I don't know if you saw. Every once in a while, I come across an article, and I just go, man, I, I wonder if Dan Wismar saw this one, man, because we think similar things. Did you see the feature they did on ESPN this week about Ted Williams? And, uh, and man, I'll tell you, it's some deep stuff, man, about the, the real-life Ted Williams and Boy, uh, I I wasn't able to see. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, but I've been it's reading good. some things about it and his daughter. And yeah, her with his daughter. And the, yeah, it, yeah, it looked very interesting. I'm going to have to try to catch that. Was that on the 30 for 30 uh, episode? No, it's, well, I don't know if there may be. I'm talking about the written article that they put out on the site. It's oh, a very okay. lengthy well-written article, man, you read it and you go, wow. I mean, just, you know, it's one of those things and we hear about them, you know, especially that era of baseball player, that, that mythological, you know, Mickey Mantle, people saw them the way they were presented because the media was not honest back then. The media was not, it was not the open lens that it is now. It was, we create the narrative for the players and we sell it and the media buys it. And, you know, you start to find out, about these guys and I mean you know for Ted Williams everybody knows what a great hitter he was and all of that with baseball but man you you read about 
the person he was behind the scenes and in, in some of his actual, I'm not talking about while he was a ball player, this article with his daughter breaks into, you know, the post baseball, the adult relationships with the children that he had no relationships with. Uh, and some man, I'll tell you, you go, wow, uh, you know, just, it opens you up. And of course people are human. That's the thing. But if you grew up and of course my dad's the kind that when I grew up would tell me about Mickey Mantle and Ted Williams and all the great, but you know it's again myth mythologized or whatever and that era of people do not even realize the reality behind that but man there's some deep dark stuff well that's that's true and the media was more uh in the role of protector yeah for uh, sure than they than they were of uh, of exposer you know they're uh, heroes too like you say they created the myths and they worked very hard to keep those bubbles from being burst uh you know by uh by revealing things about players personal lives that that they didn't feel were the public's uh, business to know and right, uh, so we didn't we didn't hear about it. they used to do the same thing with with presidents uh people like jack kennedy and you know uh, the, the general public never knew most of the stuff that was going on with him uh you know relationships and you know painkiller drugs and all these physical conditions and things like that and then sports figures were the same way they they were you know were Myth-making was going on by the media, and uh, they didn't do anything to upset that uh, that image by uh, revealing things that they didn't think the public should know. You know, just little, I mean, on top of some of the bigger things, like I just, some little, you know, as a parent, one of the stories that got me was, I guess, there's, a, and I guess these are released in a book or, or something, there's like a whole thing of these journals, these day-to-day uh, writings that Ted Williams kept during his life and during his career and and one of them goes back to the day that his son was born and it's it's this whole thing. he's talking about what a beautiful day it is and he's fishing and he's hunting and and all these things this whole thing he never once mentioned that his child was born that day that and he, and you know it's like what well, it's it's i don't know stark contrasts from the things but i i just knew that you're the kind of guy that especially with older baseball you know with that kind of thing and not everybody's into that and i said man i was curious if you had uh, had a chance to see it but uh, it's you know I'm, i i see that it's written by Wright Thompson and and, and uh, yeah. people were talking about it this morning. He's such a good writer, yeah. uh, and uh, I've read a lot of his work, and I really admire him as a as a wordsmith. Uh, and uh, you know, so just reading this morning, some people commenting about how great the article is and was. But uh, I'm definitely going to have to go back and check it out because I admire Wright Thompson as a as a writer so much. Yeah, and you don't see a lot of that anymore, too. So many people, they want the expose, they want the big blow away, but I just love to read, you know, well-written pieces. I think that that's a lost art because, you know, print media is slowly fading away. Everything's going digital, and everybody turns everything into quick uh, one-paragraph blogs because nobody thinks that people have the attention span to sit down and read a a lengthy, full-piece, well-written, you know, uh, peace anymore because so many people don't. They want it and they want it done and they want it now. Well, that's true. And, and I think that, you know, by saying that, you know, we're saying that we probably are the exception to the rule. Probably. Uh, yeah. that, because th- they're right that people don't read it and, and the number of clicks that you they know. get, you know, you know, gives them that information. And that's why sites like Grantland and and some of the other new ones are, you know, coming out and, and they're finding that they aren't, they don't have quite the other, they, they have some loyal readers and some some uh, regular uh, audiences, but I don't think they're I don't think they're large, uh, and they get a very select few people. The long form journalism, there's fewer people reading it, and as a consequence, there's fewer people writing it. 
right. but uh, it's there's some quality stuff out there still if you're looking for it. And there's good stuff at Grantland. There's some not so good stuff there. Uh, by the way, speaking of that and long form journalism, have you heard much about the? Uh, did you read the Deadspin piece about uh, Jason Whitlock's uh, ESPN site that's coming up? Uh, the undefeated is supposed to be called. It basically is going to focus on on black uh, culture, black uh, sports figures, uh, uh, and, and uh, it's sort of be it's it's been called the Black Grantland, okay? Oh because that's goodness, sort of the concept no. that they're trying to follow. But there was a Deadspin piece on it that just really took uh, took Jason Whitlock to the cleaners about it. If you haven't checked it out, you might want to look at it. It's uh, quite revealing about some of the the problems that they've had with the run up to to the debut of the site and uh and it, it let's just put it this way it doesn't end up painting jason whitlock in a very positive light uh interesting stuff and just while we we're talking about that long-form journalism uh, genre uh, i thought i would uh would mention that interesting what what deadspin did to kind of uh take it down before it ever got started well, give me a little bit more about that because I'm not the biggest Jason Whitlock guy anyway. There's certain certain uh, tasks that he goes to that I go, man. Why'd you have to go there, man? That's not, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever. But what? what well, is I guess the gist I guess of- maybe more that that uh, he's a, trying to you know put a staff of writers around him and have this uh, this site which is supposed to concentrate on you know the black sports experience or whatever. Um, and but it really is, I guess, more the criticism of it is it's more uh, agenda driven, uh, Jason Whitlock's agenda, as opposed to some other uh, gotcha. common agenda that all the writers share, and and how he's been a little bit dictatorial and 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 uh, <laughs> in his management and his insistence on the, that the stories follow this or that pattern, and and the, you know these are the things we want to emphasize, and oh, you know see, it, it's yeah. just been a sort of. Uh, uh, a little bit, maybe the the power of of running the thing uh, sort of gone to his head a little bit, and and there's been a lot of infighting and and disagreement at, at the outset of this thing. Like I said, before it even launches, uh, there's a lot of controversy about it, and a lot of it has to do with uh, maybe just Jason Whitlock uh, being a little bit too, you know, not not too big for his britches. That that sounds bad, but uh, maybe a little bit uh, drunk with power in terms of. Uh, how he's going to be running things and how things are going to be reflecting his agenda as opposed to some broader agenda. Well, you know what? That makes sense, too. So, you know, uh, talking about uh, furthering people's agendas and stuff, the, one of the things I think people have the biggest problem with in 2015 in the media, and I mean other members of the media, is understanding that you can no, you can no longer control or shape the narrative in 2015 with with social media and all of that. I think the city of Cleveland, outside of sports, just found out last week. They they tried to, you know, they, they were, you know, with all the stuff going on in Baltimore, there were some people tweeting some stuff at the city of Cleveland, and uh, some of the people that run the city, they had to apologize for it, the people that run the Twitter account, because they were like, hey, do you want to burn down our city like Baltimore? And they were trying to push the narrative a certain way, and you know, the minute you try in Twitter or whatever, the minute you try to push them a certain direction, they're going to push you back the opposite way. And they're going to run you out because you can't control. You, it used to be, you could like we mentioned about previous sports writers, how if you looked up to Mickey Mantle, then you made sure that you protected the, the myth of Mickey Mantle. And there's things that people didn't need to know and control in the narrative. Cannot, it doesn't exist. Even if a website puts out a completely 
spin-driven article. It takes about 30 seconds for Deadspin or for you or for me or for some guy on Twitter to pick out all the inaccuracies and write a counter-article and and make that bigger scene than the initial. You can't control the narrative in 2015. You can't, and if you try to, you will get run over because of the voice of social media. Well, that's true, and and unfortunately... uh, Twitter allows every you know Twitter gives everybody a a, a microphone and a pedestal uh, and <laughs> yeah, you know right. hundred and hundred and forty characters and a chance to be very very stupid in a short amount of time with, with a with a very limited amount of thought going into it. There's so many tweets that seem very innocuous and very uh, funny or or whatever at, at at the time that they're put out that you know one thing you can't. Uh, can't put into a tweet is a, is a sarcasm font or, or a, uh, you can't read, you can't read tone and you can't read sarcasm and you can't read humor or, or uh, you know, whatever in a, in 140 characters. And so, yeah, there's an awful lot of people that, you know, and, and you've, you've probably done it. I've done it where you send out, a, you, you hit the, the tweet button on a tweet and you think, damn, I wish I could take that one back. And, and uh, I, I bet most people that are active on Twitter at some point, I would bet, have deleted a tweet oh, God, after yeah. they said after they after they did it because they thought better of it or they said that didn't sound right or I don't hope people don't take me wrong on that and 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 go in and delete it. I've done it. Most people that I know have done it uh, because it just you know it's a spur of the moment thing. You type it and you go, "Now what did I do that for? That was a little bit too nasty or that was a little too caustic or whatever." Uh, and uh, but some people you know once they're out there, people people capture it, people grab screen grab it. Uh, and and uh, the internet is forever. You know, you can't. Even if you delete your tweet, someone's got it in their timeline. Someone can screen grab it, and and then uh, make an issue out of it if that's what they choose to do. So, yeah, you're right. It's it's tough, and and a part of it is just the immediacy of everything nowadays, uh, and uh, the fact that it you, you often don't, even though you should, uh, give a lot of thought to what you're putting out there uh, before you hit that tweet button. For sure, you know, absolutely. Hey, something, it's not even a big deal. I was just, I saw this, and I was going to mention it to you. Hey, you brought that up about uh, uh, Whitlock and that website, and it kind of brought my attention back. I almost forgot about this. Um, I thought it was, and, and it is, it's just a guy's opinion, but I have no doubt that over the next couple of days, probably by the time we talk on Monday, this this story will get much bigger than it needs to. But did you hear LaShawn McCoy and the, the blatant racial stuff he's accusing uh, uh, Chip Kelly of when it when it comes to how he's running the Eagles? I mean, he blatantly came out in ESPN, the magazine, the the, the quotes are just coming out. Uh, he blatantly said, hey, he ran off all the good black players as soon as he came there to Philadelphia. And I mean, he didn't he didn't pussyfoot around the words. That was the exact words that he used. And I'm like, wow, talk about just putting your feelings out there to the media. But that's exactly what he said, that look what he's doing. He's not just running off the good players. He's running off the good black players. And there's a reason for that. And you have to figure it out for yourself. I mean, you can't come any closer to accusing a guy of being a racist than that. Yeah, and that's a shame that, uh, you know, the easiest thing in the world to do, it's an unfalsifiable uh, you know, charge. Uh, how is Chip Kelly now going to prove that he's not a racist? Once right. he's been accused of it, you know, it's one of those things. It's a very, it's kind of a very lazy uh, accusation to make. Um, you have observed something that happened, and you have determined that uh, the, the other guy has uh, 
has racism in his heart, uh, and uh, how is he supposed to respond to that? It's like the guy, you know, where do I go to get my reputation back? You know, uh, Chip Kelly can't come out today, and by saying anything he can say, can't can't disprove the charge. So uh, it's uh, it's unfortunate to see that. I, I don't, I haven't heard those things, but there's so much of that these days that uh, a charge of racism is often the the absence of an argument as opposed to being an argument in itself. This is the exact statement from uh, the interview that LaShawn McCoy did in ESPN, the magazine. It's going out on the newsstands, I guess, this week or next week or whatever. It said, uh, how did the relationship end in Philly? He said, the relationship was never really great. I feel I respected him as a coach, but he wants the full control. Look at how fast he got rid of all the good players, especially the good black players. He got rid of them the fastest. That's the truth. There's a reason. It's hard to explain with him, but there's a reason that he got rid of all the black players, the good ones, the way he did. And then he was asked how many other people have shared that thought, and he said, man, lots of people. Stephen A. Smith has talked about it. Other players have talked about it. But you know what? I don't even care anymore. I'm on a new team. And then he moves on. He says, but look at what Chip did. As soon as he came in, he let Deshaun Jackson go. And I was like, come on, Deshaun Jackson. Now, that would blatantly ignore a lot of the other things that may have, you know, been involved there. But that was the blanket statement. I mean, that was not, I've got my feelings. That was, he got rid of all the black players for a reason. Yeah, that's pretty explicit. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, pretty pretty low, pretty low. Uh, that that may be what he feels, but uh, he doesn't know, uh, he doesn't know Chip Kelly's heart. And obviously with Deshaun Jackson, uh, you could look at all the other extracurriculars. And oh, yeah. I think there's, there's plenty of reasons to get rid of Deshaun Jackson that have nothing to do with his skin color. So, yeah, that, that's just uh, like I say that that charge of, of, of racism is a uh, it's easy, it's it's lazy, and it's irrefutable, and uh, it's uh, <laughs> you know I think unfair because you can't know a man's heart. No, I, I agree with you for sure there, and uh, it's just uh, I thought it was wow, and I'm like man, that's a. Uh... Go hit the news. That, that's what I mean when I say by the time probably next week that'll really blow up because that's gonna that's gonna hit the newsstand and then that's really gonna become viral material. And as you said, what position are you? You're in a no win position if you're Chip Kelly. I mean, what can you even say? I mean, to me, that's got to be a. I'm not even gonna dignify that with a response and you just move on because there's nothing else you can say to that. As you said, it's undefensible. You can't. Why would you have to defend yourself anyway? You know and. Uh, and Deshaun Jackson was a terrible example to give because there were plenty of other reasons swirling around that. Whether you want to go financial, whether you want to go extracurricular off the football field, all kinds of reasons. And it's not like Deshaun Jackson blew down the world when he left Philadelphia anyway to where you could go, what a terrible decision that was either, you know? I mean, come on. Yeah, it's that's true, NFL. and and I don't know it's all the, the NFL, players bro. that that uh, that Chip Kelly has let go, but I right. would imagine they're probably not all black. And and well, you know uh, for every example, are. for every example, you can find of a black player that's probably Dan. a white player that he got rid of too. So hey, Dan. Uh, even if they are, what percentage of the players on Philadelphia were black? I don't know. I'm curious what the percentage was, but I'm guessing that by the pure numbers, even if you just cut play, you know what I mean? Like, come on, man. But like, he just came in and said, you know what? We got to get rid of all the black guys. This is the NFL and we want to get rid of all the black guys, man. So let's, let's, yeah, it, it is kind of crazy. Come uh, on, man. You know, I'm sure you, sure, how can a, how can a coach, uh, if there was, <laughs> if the guy was, if the guy was legitimately a bigot, how could he have been, <sighs> a successful football coach at Oregon for one thing. 
and uh, you know a successful football coach in the NFL so far. Uh, uh, if that was if that was what was in his heart, I just don't see that being a possibility in in, in to, you know this day and age. So uh, I'm, I'm skeptical, and and I think there may be some other some other ulterior motives on uh, on LeSean McCoy's part. Maybe- Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. He believes that that's the case, and, and who knows? Uh, I certainly don't know Chip Kelly's heart any better than he does. Probably not as well. Oh, man. Chip Kelly doesn't care what color you are as long as you can snap the ball every 15 seconds and get back to the line of scrimmage. I mean, yeah, and it, and it helps if you went to Oregon, by the way. And yeah. if you went to Oregon, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's looking at the Browns right now going, man, they got EFO. All right, maybe I will trade one of these quarterbacks, man. Hey, guys, let's see. That's what the Browns should do. You want to get one of them quarterbacks from Philly, you should have drafted about 15 more Oregon Ducks, man. And then you, you could have right. said, look, Chip. Take your pick, man. You got all the quarterbacks. We got all the ducks, man. Come on. Let's put it together. But uh, anyways, the University of Oregon Eagles, baby, keeping it rolling. Dan Wismar, what are you working on this week? Everybody hates Cleveland.com. You got anything good going on? Uh, nothing coming up right now. Sort of slow time for Buckeye stuff, as you know, uh, other than the fact that Urban Meyer had surgery today. Uh, I don't know if you heard that yet. I did not. But, uh, he was uh, he was scheduled to appear in Findlay, I think, and they canceled that appearance for quote-unquote health reasons. I was reading reports just before I came on with you that uh, there are multiple reports that the surgery was an appendectomy, so it's nothing uh, life-threatening or, or you know long-term serious. Uh, but uh, that's the word that Durbin had an appendectomy. I don't know if it was today or yesterday, but uh, canceled the parents because of it. It was something that was, I believe the quote was, uh, you know, not anticipated or unexpected. So it must have been a an appendectomy attack of some sort that, that wasn't anticipated. But uh, that's the word that Urban had an appendectomy here. I believe it was either today or, or last night. And uh, but he's expected to be okay. All right, there you so go. That's Good just update. There. Little little piece of news there. Piece of news from Dan Wismar. Hopefully, man, tonight we're talking about another piece of news. Cavs, Bulls, tied at one, heading to Chicago for the next two. Well, you know what, actually? We'll be heading back. By the time you and I talk, I think this series will be heading back to Cleveland because it looks, let's see, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, or, yeah, probably Friday, Friday Sunday, Sunday. Yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be talking about uh, yeah. game four when we get back together on Monday. Man, we'll really know where this series is. No, we'll be talking about, yeah, we'll be through four most likely, looking at right. coming back to Cleveland. Uh, man, uh, I hope the next few days go well. I think they will, but I'm going to say it. I think this thing's coming back two to two because I think the Cavs win tonight. I think Chicago comes right back in game three. Cavs back in game four. I think the first four are going tit for tat. I think that's a pretty fair bet that when we come back on uh, 
on uh, on Monday to talk about uh, what happened in Game Four that will be tied up. Yeah, I mean it's pretty safe bet. I mean Chicago's not going away. Dan, have a good one. Hey, Indians will be back home too. Hopefully they've put a couple together. Maybe they've got two in a row by the time we talk on Monday. Stranger things have happened, Jared. I'll catch up with you Monday. <laughs> Thanks a lot for the time. Hey, my man, Dan Wismar from the Cleveland fan from EverybodyHatesCleveland.com, and he's here on the Sports Fix every Monday and every Wednesday. Guys, let's take our final break. We're going to come back, and we'll uh, set the stage for tonight and tomorrow and get it done. Final segment of the Sports Fix coming up next. What do you want? What do you want? The Sports Fix, your choice for intelligent talk. That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved that. That was great. Uh, intelligent talk. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good. It could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. These guys must be on the wrong station. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get them away. Hey, boo. Boo. The Sports Fix. Hey, guys, before we go to the break, I want to talk to you a little bit again about our good friends at Harry Buffalo North Olmsted, the UFC, the ultimate fighting championships, some of the hottest fights in the world today, each and every one of their huge events. Harry Buffalo is one of the few places in Northeast Ohio you can go there and watch each and every UFC fight at the Harry Buffalo. And let me tell you, I've been there. The people are out the door. They are to the rafters. It is one of the craziest environments for some UFC fights. Wing Mondays, they've got great deals on wings and drinks. And every day of the week, there's a different special, a different deal. And don't forget the Bison Burger, the unbelievable. It is the combination of a fantastic burger and eating healthy combined into one unbelievable sandwich you have got to get a bison burger while you're there so whatever you're looking for whatever day of the week monday through friday saturday sundays there's something for you at the harry buffalo north olmstead just outside great northern mall check them out today harry buffalo join the herd it's the sports fix we'll be right back Fantasy sports lovers, you put so much time, hard work, and effort into playing week to week that it quickly stops being a fantasy and, and starts, starts getting, getting real. real. And when the smoke clears, you want to show off those victories with a real prize. I mean, a really real prize. Nobody, Nobody does, does that, that like, like Fantasy, fantasy Jocks. Jocks. The crew over at Fantasy Jocks have beautiful, high-quality, and heavy-duty championship belts, rings, trophies, and so much more for all your fantasy sports needs. There's literally only one place to go. FantasyJocks.com No football? No problem at Harry Buffalo North Olmstead. From their awesome Wing Mondays to every single Cavaliers and Buckeye Hoops games in full HD, the excitement never stops. Every day of the week brings a different set of food and amazing drink specials. Fight fans, Harry Buffalo North Olmstead is the home for every UFC pay-per-view live on the big screens. And let's not forget their mouth-watering trademark, the Bison Burger. Nobody does bison like Harry Buffalo. The perfect combination of healthy and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get to Harry Buffalo, just outside Great Northern Mall today. Harry Buffalo, Buffalo. join the herd. The The Sports Fix is now available every day on the world's largest internet radio service, iHeartRadio. Download the free iHeartRadio app, subscribe to the show, and And get get your fix. Hey, everybody. Listen up. Listen up, guys. Hey, guys. Listen Listen up. up. No one should ever hit a woman. Not their wife, not their girlfriend, not their date. No woman should have to fear violence, especially not from someone they know and trust. But that's the reality for too many women. We have to change it. It's up to each of us, because even one 
is too many. Violence against women hurts all of us. Growing up, I was ashamed and afraid of my father when he abused my mom. The worst abuse of power is when a man raises his hand to hurt a woman. We all have to take responsibility. So if you see someone threatening a woman, step up, speak out, and get help. Dating violence hurts all of us. So step up and help end it. Because one is too many. One is too many. One is too many. One is too many. End the violence. Because it's wrong. Because one, one is too many. Hey, you guys are rocking with Reggie Germany, former wide receiver of the Buffalo Bills and Ohio State Buckeye. You're rocking with the Sports Fix. Welcome back to the Sports Fix final segment here, wrapping things up. Man, J-Rock with you here and deflate gate. There's two words I haven't said in a while, and boy, have I not missed saying those. But back in the news with a quickness here in the last segment. The reports coming out. You guys are getting ready to hear a whole lot of them. J-Rock back here with the Sports Fix as we're heading into this final segment. The Wells report from the NFL has come out, and it has found that while they believe that the New England Patriots organization had no clue about anything involved with uh, the footballs that were tampered with prior to the AFC title game, they did find with uh, with probability that locker room official attendant Jim McNally for the Patriots, John Yastrzemski, the equipment assistant, and more probable than not, Tom Brady, the quarterback of the Patriots, was at least generally aware of the inappropriate activities of the two men involving the release of air from Patriots game balls. Basically, the report says that the organization did not know Coach Bill Belichick did not know. Anybody involved with the organization did not know that the locker room officials had tampered with the balls, but they do believe it is more probable than not that Tom Brady was at least generally aware that there was some monkeying around going. So as it stands now, within the next few days, Adam Schefter's reporting that the NFL is weighing options for Discipline to both McNally and Yastrzemski, the officials involved, and Tom Brady. Again, the report stated very clearly that there is no evidence that Bill Belichick nor anybody connected to the New England Patriots was even aware of what was going on, with the exception of finding that they do believe Tom Brady most likely had general knowledge that there was at least some kind of shenanigans going on. This will be very interesting to see what kind of consequences get laid down, mostly on Brady, let alone on the other guys. And uh, still... Uh, I'm actually still reading through this. It came out as we were coming through the report, but the uh, Patriots have said while they disagree, they will accept the findings of this for the basis and the the respect of the league as a whole. Uh, Now it's going to be, again, up to the NFL to put some discipline forward. It's going to be up to several different parties to decide where this goes from here. I'm very interested to see what, if any, consequences come, what Tom Brady has to say. But according to the report, they believe that Tom Brady at least knew that there was some... and, And I said that all along, that if anything, if there's any one person that would notice it, 
that's the one person because clearly Tom Brady touches every single football and, uh, and, and he's made his feelings very clear that he likes them with a little less air than others. Now, to me, I will clarify this because I don't believe Tom Brady's a blatant cheater at all. Uh, there's a difference. There is a leeway in the, the inflatability of the football. Now, I highly doubt that Tom Brady would know the difference between, you know, whatever, 10 pounds, 12 pounds, whatever. I don't even know the difference. But uh, so I think you'd be wrong to listen to this and say that that blatantly means that he knew that these were illegal footballs because, again, we're talking about small amounts of air. Now, knowing that they were softened up a bit the way you like within the rules is different than softened up within within going or excuse me going without of those barriers of the number of rules so that's all i'm trying to say and i'm not hey look man maybe tom brady's just a stone cold cheater i don't necessarily think that's true either but i knew that it was impossible for him not to be aware that these footballs were not exactly where they should be at the beginning but he would have been the only one that touches them at every level. I thought Tom Brady and the officials. I mean, those are the two people that would have known more than anybody else. But that just came out, and we'll see what the NFL does with that with the Wells report as it comes out. All right, guys, a couple of other things. Hey, man, today is the 100th anniversary of the very first home run ever hit by Babe Ruth. You know, I mean, that's just a... Uh, those those things always get me the, the the big history picture fueled on hot dogs and beer, baby. And a uh, hundred years ago today, the very first home run, May sixth, nineteen fifteen, first time Babe Ruth connected on a home run, and uh, amazingly, it came against the team that he's most identified with. It came for the Red Sox against the New York Yankees. Babe Ruth went three for five in that game and also took the loss as the starting pitcher as the Yankees beat the Red Sox and Babe Ruth four to three in 13 innings before 5,000 fans at the legendary Polo Grounds. Babe Ruth, 100 years ago today, hit his first home run. No steroids needed, baby. Powered on hops and barley and hot dogs and probably some other uh, alcoholic substances <laughs> mixed in there as well. All right, guys, man, we're going to call this a day. Got a lot to get into tonight. Uh, a few of you will be watching the Indians as they try to win tonight against Kansas City and grab the second game of this series. But most of you won't notice that until after the Cavaliers game. Cavs, Bulls, game two. Big one here. I won't say it's must win, but it's really should win. And I think the Cavaliers really will win it. I do believe tonight you're going to see a, a different uh, mindset from the beginning. Kyrie Irving talked about fatiguing late. LeBron James this morning talked about starting uh, more aggressively. So I think everybody recognizes the things they did wrong in game one. And let's watch them come out here and take care of business in game two. Cavaliers, Bulls. Going at it tonight, you guys, and we'll talk about that tomorrow here. And as a matter of fact, no, we won't. I totally forgot to tell you guys, I will not be here tomorrow. There will be no live. I can't believe I forgot to mention this at the beginning of the show. There will be no live sports fix tomorrow on Thursday. I've got a situation to, uh, to deal with here, a very personal thing. I'm taking the day off tomorrow. Uh, if things go well I'll be back on Friday. If not, I will not be here until Monday. I cannot tell you today 
way the rest of the week is going to go. I can tell you that I will not be here on Thursday. There will be no live sports fix tomorrow. We will most likely, knock on wood, if everything goes well, we will be here on Friday. However, I reserve the right to not be back until Monday. But I'm going to do my best to get back here on Friday for you guys. But there is no live sports fix tomorrow. So Cavs, Bulls, Indians, we'll talk about all of that hopefully here on Friday when we get back. Enjoy the game tonight, tomorrow. Enjoy the Cavaliers, the NBA playoffs. Guys, we look forward to hopefully catching up with you guys, wrapping up the week right here Friday, live at noon across the Sports Fix Radio Network and live here. You know it, baby. Have fun tonight. Go Cavs. Go Tribe. We love you, Cleveland and beyond. And we'll see you Friday at noon here on The Fix. Hard, but we brought it back. Thanks to Cleveland Clinic. Now they call them Kiss the Cardiac. Rock Cars, Science Center, Tower City, all of that. Warehouse, District, Euclid, Corridor, and all the flat. You know that I'm a Tribes fan, and I love Slimings. Crockett Park's the perfect place for me to spend some time in. Baby, this is Cleveland. It is so much more to us. You can even go to Severance Hall to see an orchestra. So much hate up in this city, bitty city. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Put your hands up in the air, everybody say yeah, 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 Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.